Every civilization must contend with an unconscious force which can block, betray, or countermand almost any conscious intention of the collectivity. Thelaxu Theorem, Unproven. World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune Messiah. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we open up a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club here, Derek. Oh, we do, Mike. And every now and then, I just got to honor the origins and I go back to an Oregon wine for what I can. Hey, that's fine. That's so fair. I picked up Raya today. Ooh. We got a good little space name, R-A-I-A. Willamette Valley, Oregon, Pinot Noir. That's really cool. Um, Excuse me? Where is it from? Is it not Willamette? It's Willamette, damn it. So I learned to pronounce that one. Uh, uh, the Willamette <laughs> Valley. Yeah. Is it, is it Willamette? Yeah. Uh, like, just. I mean, I don't know. I know. I don't know. No, no. That's uh, when I was out there. That was the thing. The other bit was, um, oh, I think it's um, 32nd Avenue in Portland, got renamed Kaiser Cesar uh, Chavez Boulevard. Okay. And so only out of, people from out of town call it that. Everyone else, it had happened like within a year I moved there. They were like, it's just 32nd Street, man. <laughs> like, it's just what you call it. But I love it. Uh, Willamette, damn it, was just a great way to learn that. But we can butcher even English in our place, Mike. But I, too, when I first got there, the Willamette River. Um, <laughs> it's a very classy sound. Like the, no, it's Willamette. That's not how it goes, though. But, yeah, so it's just a, a great red wine out of Oregon there. Ooh, clean Label Project Purity Award winner. That sounds Ooh. very fancy. No, that's bullshit. So oh. I, like, I, like doing the, I'm, I wasn't even going to bring this up, Mike, but if you're going to bring this up. <laughs> So it's like, what is this clean clean label project, right? I'll look into it. So what they do is they're testing products you submit. You kind of like sign up and you get to put that little label on your bottle. And they test for like heavy metals and impurities within the products. And I'm like, that sounds good, right? Okay. Yeah. They don't have a standard, Mike. They have a sliding scale. As long as you... So... Of all the products in the category, as long as you're in the top 30%, you get to do that. And I'm like, that's a really big deviation. And doesn't that just mean you would flood it with products that don't make it? So then these do because no one gives a shit. Like, it's just about percentages, it's right? purely arbitrary. I was like, I was so disappointed. Like, you don't even have like a minimum standard. Just top 33 of, you know, that year. Of like so, if they all failed, the all top right, thirty three, Ryan, top thirty three, <laughs> I like it. But no, no, and the good wine though, uh, it is bu- pretty good. Bullshit label. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I love little things like this. Okay, I'm they a, get the day started right. I'm a good consumer, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> We're leaving the wine behind. <laughs> we meant to gloss over this section, like. <laughs> Anywho, we are deep in Messiah being chapter two. <laughs> I was going to say deep. Deep. What do you think of the quote coming in? This is this is one I told you we're going to get non-Irulan quotes now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what do you think of unproven? Relaxed <laughs> theorem unproven. Quote I feel unquote. like this is, this is probably a case study about the Kwisatch Haderach that they tried to make. Okay. Like trying to be like, okay, what happened here? like, I think we got it, but then it killed itself. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so in that, 
Because this is um, this unconscious force can block or countermand sort of like what the conscious collective wants to do. So it's uh, you're saying the Quisitandrak was like the embodiment. The uh, wow, Ooh. I just kind of said lobotomy in a way. <laughs> I want to say the embodiment, <laughs> yeah. embodiment of our unconscious. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like the physical representation yeah. of it, right? He comes out to me and he's like, you all are terrible and destroys himself. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> that was sort of our inner monologue coming out to speak. Did you see that coming? I didn't see that coming. Did see that coming? All these engineers looking left and right like, what? <laughs> yeah, I love engineers. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of guys with clipboards and vests. <laughs> That's how much likes to work. Well, unproven. We can count on though. But yeah, I, like, I do feel like it's something... Uh, do you get that it is maybe like a, the Bene Gesserit some, or some historian observing the Tlaxlu? Like, is this an outside perspective of them? Uh, no, I think it's an internal. You think this is like from Psytale? Tlaxlu theorem. I think it has to do with like maybe, uh, oh, wait. Oh, interesting. That's what I'm kind so, of like proposing to you. Oh. Like knowing, I mean, oh, I, I wanted to actually, I was about to say from Darius Balat, but that's encyclopedia. But just knowing this is post whatever the events of the novel are, right? Right. That's where these quotes kind of come from. Mm, maybe. Sightail, you know, this is our first, maybe first Benny Tlaxlu really rubbing elbows with the up and up of the orders. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. But, but like the quote itself just makes me think of Paul and his prescience and his terrible purpose. Definitely. Like, because that's terrible purpose is the, yeah, that's it's the a very least kind of, yeah, 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 exactly. It literally is our unconscious, like speaking up. And Paul just happens to be the one who's got his ear when mm. he shows up and, like, hey, how you doing, Paul? <laughs> you want to go jihad? And, like, I'm back. Maybe next weekend. All right. Oh, he is showing up this chapter. Yeah. I, I'm glad he's back. He even brought his cousin this time. Um, but yeah, uh, and just pointing that, like, I love how the, the collective being just the populace. And in yeah. general, that is how I feel like we treat them in Dune, where we forget about them. They're not even worth, like, ever mentioning, right? We we brought up the city folk just at the end of Dune, and they were fodder in the war. Like, we threw them at the Sodom. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how we look on the normal people. They're never considered here. Uh, so I think yeah, the unconscious would stomp all over them. Um, I guess with that, you ready to jump in? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I was actually really surprised. So I knew that it was going to be Paul and Irulan were getting together. Mm-hmm. I was, honestly, there's so much more Cheney in this book. Do you than appreciate the first that? One. That was my fake out. That's why I wanted yeah. that one. I was like, I chose the flashback sequence yeah. in the middle of the chapter. <laughs> so this is really a I Paul think and she Cheney speaks chapter. more in this chapter than <laughs> the entire first book. Definitely. But shows no more character than she did in the entire first book. No, I think, I don't think so. You don't think, I think she's very supplicant to her man. And what is she ever? Well, no, I think we're getting a viewpoint of her like we got a viewpoint of Hara. Like, through her words and actions, and through Paul's sort of, like, uh, his insight on her. I, I, maybe his perception. He said he doesn't like to do it all that often, but he, he does start to, like... Uh, that's, that's one good... Yeah, yeah, I like that point. I got, I got a little note on that, so we'll cue in on that when we get I we learn a lot more there. about her character. Okay, okay, that that's fair. And uh, we get to see more... I mean, like, we get to see a lot more of the Fremen influence as well. I mean, in that she is Fremen? Well, I mean, yeah, but, like... Before we just had like, oh, my Sahaya, and that was all we ever fucking learned about Cheney before. Okay, I didn't know if you would take take that and run the different direction of like, Stilgar is someone we saw was Fremen, got turned into something else, whereas Cheney did not. Right. It seemed like she's fairly static, right, on her like character arc. Yeah. 
she never like yeah regressed into something else like this is always what paul thought she was Mm -hmm. and this is who she became all right i'm gonna we'll see where we get to the end then let's go let's have a little push it back forth on cheney uh you know we're gonna keep her we're not putting this one out like (laughs) i'm just on the fence on the fence that's all now my first question though mike yeah how much time has passed since the last chapter uh 12 years (laughs) <laughs> oh no you said chapter i thought you said book yeah. okay you weren't being sarcastic <laughs> probably just a few days right one crossing and two days okay Irulan had to get home right, right, right but then it's been two days since whatever meeting or uh paul or since i'm sorry since she did get back since the that meeting, flashback the right? meet no no the meeting was this morning but Irulan got home two days ago he says uh from wallach nine okay gotcha so where we landed on a crossing is anywhere from a week to a month kind of deal. Okay. Depending on how far out it is. You know, Benetolax is so hard to get to, apparently. <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. But we are in the uh, the bedchamber, the emperor's bedchamber at that. Huh? Oh, Paul's like 30 years old now. Oh, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, he is, right. Yeah. Uh, we're in like, so 28? No, I mean, are we, uh, when we started, oh, three years passed and then another 12. Oh, okay. yeah, the the three. Okay, that's yeah. that's where I was forgetting shit of. I right, thought we were right. adding the twelve onto it. Okay, yeah, cool. It's all thirty. Good for him. Yeah, he's doing all right. Emperor <laughs> of the known universe. <laughs> he's a very Alexander. Oh, what age did Alexander die? Oh, Ooh. all right. So he died at thirty-two. That's like oh. a, a kind of. And I told you, Paul might not die. Maybe I get two years out of this book and. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get him to that point. But nonetheless, that's no, cool. No, cool parallel, I guess. Because, uh, but you know, their storyline's very different. Obviously, Paul didn't conquer everything. He just overthrew one dude, and then sat on his chair. Yeah, yeah. And it was like that's all I need to do. But we are in his chamber. He's taken off his steel suit boots, taken off his steel suit, and it reeks, Mike. It's a terrible smell. Bad smells mean evil things. Well, it's an evil smell specifically. Well, that's later on. That's the spice. I was just kind of pointing oh. out. So he makes an homage himself, though. This is going to be something that is uh, coming up multiple times in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that they first introduce it here. Well, he's taking this off, and he tells us it's the fault of the lubricant and the heel pumps. And it's just like cool insight into the still suit, right? We never got that technical before. Mm. And you're like, okay, interesting. Um, so yeah. does that mean they lube themselves up before getting into the still suits? No, no, it's because in the heel. I think it's the heel pump. I think oh, this is like which uh, he's oh, that okay, gotcha. Yeah, you know, I think you take the little oil, like, you put a little drop in there, like no, it's not you, like looping up and jumping in, and then uh, going. Otherwise, it would take a lot more time putting these on and off. We don't got time. You wouldn't be able to hold them. They just keep slipping out of your hands. Slipping, yeah. Oh my god, they just fremen are so slippery. <laughs> Um, but Paul, he's been out on your classic king in disguise kind of walk, right? Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. seen his trope in a million different oh, things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The monarchy, it's a little stuffy, you know? It's a little overbearing. You put on this, you go walk out with the regular Joes, no one's going to recognize you. Especially if you're looking like a regular Fremen, like no one's going to fuck with you. Yeah, I love that emphasis of just that it's like these Fremen, the wild Fremen is what we call them. Mm. Everybody parts ways for it. And uh, while Paul's out there, though, he, he loves this normalcy is what he's feeling again. Yeah. And uh, specifically, he passes by and a Fremen is cursing out a shopkeeper. And the, <laughs> the insult he gives him is, you have damp hands. Damp hands. <laughs> damp hands. That's become a slap. Damn. And uh, this memory, while Paul's like kind of in the room, that just kind of makes him smile. 
Now, he's standing there naked at this point. And you got to keep that in mind. He is naked this entire chapter. <laughs> I forgot about that. I figured you did. <laughs> he Does only... he put on a robe at some point? No, never. <laughs> he might, but I want to stay on my ground here. Uh, I think Cheney might have tried. But for the most part, he's just naked, contemplating, having all these thoughts while Cheney's like um, dealing with him and like massaging his Isn't that his the best time to contemplate things? I, I guess. I mean, he certainly, you wouldn't notice. You haven't never stood in the shower and been like, hmm. Yeah, but he's not, you're just in your, so Mike, it's not that you can't contemplate things naked. It's that we, <laughs> as the, you know, we are basically a glow globe in this room right now. And it's like, we're just watching. It's a bit of voyeurism. The emperor just stand nude. And then we just glide. But I just love. He, the emperor's new clothes. Yeah, yeah. But you do forget because you jump all over the place yeah. in this chapter. And I just want to point it out here. Uh, but he's standing there, and Paul is now focused on how Dune is a paradox now. And again, we're calling it Dune now as its, like, new name. In, or, well, like, more colloquial name. And this is, this is like, an internal thought, too, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, like, it's, it's you're emphasizing how it's the center of the universe now, right? Like, mm-hmm. everyone know If you didn't know Dune before, you know Dune now. Um, but Paul's there, and now it's a world under siege, yet the center of power. To come under siege, he decided, was the inevitable fate of power. I like Ooh, that. That's a great little yeah. kind of statement there. Of like, you're putting the crosshairs on you right away. Mm-hmm. So you inevitably have to take a defensive kind of stance, right? Right. Just to be able to handle this. Uh, the other great little bit we uh, kind of world building we get here is that... Uh, it's still a desert world. This isn't a paradise world. And as he's out there, sand, uh, rather dust, has come into the street. And it's about ankle deep, which makes me think we have not patched up that hole in the shield wall. <laughs> no. We I'm haven't. just like, I think it's I think it even mentions there. that, doesn't it? We're going to get to it. Um, and with this, uh, you can smell this dust, even with um, the filters on your still suit and even inside the Arakeen Palace, which is what I always wanted to call the old house, but we've right. built a new structure. This thing is truly massive. Cities, like what we would consider a city, fits in one corner of one room. Like, oh, it's, um, it's the largest structure ever built by man in in history. Of oh, dude. like I did not, up up until and this for point, like what one dude for? Well, you know the empire. He built it for everybody. <laughs> um, it is all, he does fit, like, the Kizarat is here, all the functionaries. You think everything that happened on Kaitan mm-hmm. has to happen here now? So, yeah, we do need a bigger, we need a bigger house, Mike. Jeez. But oh, whatever happened to the Peacock Throne? Um, well. Or the Quartz Throne. The Peacock Throne is a real throne. Yeah, that's that, right, that's right. That the Quartz Throne. throne. Uh, no, Paul's got it. It's, oh. a, it's in safe hands. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Huckle Quartz Throne. Yeah. yeah. We, we got that shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. We're not going to waste it. No, I mean, it's a, it's a good throne. Uh, whether or not it's the same one I do wonder if he let the emperor take one that would be like a good insult you can have a leg no but I think like making the emperor take his old throne that's now like worthless you know it's not the seat of power you just have this fancy chair on your prison planet that'd be a good insult I feel you thinking you take it as a better insult I mean like the money isn't an object in that scenario but it's not even a factor I don't know I don't think you'd even give him that. I think Paul should just sit on a pile of spice. <laughs> Scrooge McDuckett. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In front of the guild every time. Mm, oh, I love this stuff so much. <laughs> it's got a little water. It's going to water her life. Like, oh, 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 oh. I love it. 
just like hanging over it always in a little like water balloon. <laughs> Could do this any second. Or Edric's having a heart attack. He just wants to live. Uh, but I just love that little bit of a uh, little, you know, gets us into the world. Gets us enmeshed mm-hmm. into Dune here, knowing the sand is everywhere out in the streets here. The smell is comforting to Paul. Yeah. Reminds him of other days, other dangers. I mean, like. Simpler times, really. When he was, uh, you know, doing all the guerrilla warfare. Yeah. Yeah, all those times out raiding, doing razzias around Arrakis, even before we left planet. Great times, great times. You know, right after I killed James. I mean, like, there there were no politics involved there. It was like live or die. Simpler politics. Yeah. I mean, you. We still okay. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You you're know, right. think of the Stilgar incident. It's like that was navigating politics the whole way out. Well, true, but, but I mean, in that two years, like you know, he had an enemy. You had an enemy. Yeah. Well, it's, sometimes it was Harkonnen. Sometimes it was a lot. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's but you always each of those you could rally every Fremen behind yeah. it. Right. It was so easy. He's never going to be able to rally the Imperium behind something that right. he could rally the Fremen behind. Like it just doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's kind of why his reign was doomed from the get-go. And to the point where even he knew it. Like, there was nothing I could ever do. It's either all violence or nothing. Mm-hmm. And we unfortunately went all violence. And, of course, being uh, not only the emperor, but also, like, the prophet. Like, you're not mm-hmm. going to get a moment of, like, normalcy anywhere other than with Cheney. And even there, uh, I think a little change. Cause like, you think so? I think she was still... I don't think so. No, no, no. Towards the end of that pit, she's always uh, still... You know? Yeah. What she'll, do, what she'll do for that prophet is still something I think Paul wouldn't want. He would rather it just be that. I don't know. I think that's more of the Fremen culture than it is like the prophet and like mythos of it. Would it uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I kind of see on that. Because like, we even get like Paul's... like. Uh, Inside us, so like, well, you know, the Fremen are actually used to having multiple uh, wives. Well, y- yeah, yeah, that one is even him making I feel a stretch. I think yeah. Paul is kind of wrong in a few of his observations here. Yeah, let's let's go to get to those. Sure. Though. Um, but before this, we just got to have Paul quickly reflect on what a still suit now means to him, because he, he, as he's taking this off, he's kind of remarking on it, right? Um, and he's like. Compared to those days, the peril in his lonely walks remained minor, but putting on a still suit, he put on the desert. This is is like his old skin, essentially. Mm -hmm. This brings him back. It erases all this, like, palace shit that he has to deal with. And he can, like you said, where he's out there and he's, uh, you know, he puts on the disguise of a wild Fremen. Mm -hmm. And these people all part ways forever. They all look at him and are just like, that's someone that you just respect and go away from. That's all he wants to be treated like, right? He doesn't want to be revered. He just wants to be respected for the human that he is and the capabilities he actually has. Right. Not for the 20 Sadokar he killed without unsheathing his blade. <laughs> Just the shit he can't uh, ever get out of. But Paul, uh, he's on these walks, and the only thing he is worried about is possibly running from some running into someone from the CH days. Yeah, they'd be like, Moody? Yeah, and how would they recognize him, though? That was like the cool his list. Walk. His walk, his smell, even his eyes. The blue and blue eyes, like, that's really your your local. If you can tell some blue and blue eyes <laughs> apart. Um, but it's great. And he's sort of reveling in this. And at that, 
We're back, snap back into the chamber room, right? The door hangings pulled aside, and the room is just filled with light all of a sudden. Like, he's been standing nude in the darkness out of the window, basically. Cheney comes <laughs> in. Again, I'm going to remind you of that every time. Because you're kind of a little crazy right there for a second. Like, not as endearing. Cheney comes in, though, and she has two glow globes, and they're slave to her. So they're following her. Mm-hmm. And when she comes in, one darts into one place. Oh, that's we, cool. It's got that little programming. It is. Well, we went over that. I'm like, I don't actually know how you do that with the programming Wait. we talked about. Isn't that like Butlerian uh, taboo? We might have crossed the line. That's what I'm kind of the emperor. He's got he's got access. But yeah, <laughs> that one moved a little too intelligently. At least I'm putting a yellow flag. Uh, she I'll, didn't say anything or gesture. Didn't do a thing. But could be uh, magnets. I don't know. I, I'm calling bullshit. But it's there, Mike. Uh, and Cheney enters, and she's got that coffee service. Classic coffee service. Used to be Jameis's coffee yeah. service. Keep showing up. Uh, I just moved into a new apartment. I've got a perfect little coffee bar that's <gasps> nothing but coffee and tea is there. Yeah, the little coffee nook. It's pretty fantastic. Is it uh, a little hoggle coffee pot? Uh, I, after reading this, I'm like, I need to get this. Dan, I didn't know his was that fancy. I was like, threw all my shit on the ground like it's nothing. This is why he didn't bring it out in the desert. Yeah. Paul got a marker because this, is a, this shit's really nice. It's expensive. It's platinum. <laughs> yeah. Just parts of it. Huggle emerald. Mm-hmm. That's what the throne is made out of. <laughs> no, well, no quartz. Huggle quartz. Yeah, yeah. Huggles the planet it's from. Oh, well, oh, I'm sorry. What are you saying? It is then. It's emerald. Oh, the huggled emerald mind. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, but so, no, you, you're dead on. This is this is not Hagal in the book. It's Hagar. Right. I just, I'm just realizing that. So I thought it was Huggle emerald. It's Hagar emerald. Oh, oh, actually. Is this like some sort of typo? No. it's even, So probably for the whole book then. So this is, uh, I'm looking through the Kindle right now, doing a little search. We have two mentions of Hagar on page 33, uh, lifted the lid by its Hagar emerald knob. I'm right. like, okay, so that's a coffee service. So this is where we're like, right. what is this? A new material, new something? But if I go down... On page 171, don't you dare open that book, oh. Feather. Uh, it says the following. Paul's green throne had been cut from a single Hagar emerald. So maybe which it's just a type of emerald. We kn- well, we know Hagal emeralds or that mine <sighs> that the emperor had that the Harkonnens then took over because that's where they sent um, Gurney. Gurney in for a little bit. using the emerald mm. mines at life. So... I think, yeah, just a spelling error for this edition. Or, like, Frank forgot what the fuck he said in the first book. Maybe. So, I mean, he would probably counter that with, uh... (laughs) I deliberately did this. Oh, okay, that explains it, Mike. He deliberately (laughs) did this. I I feel like it might be an editor or a Frank thing. It's just like, oh, fuck, it's not important. I I feel like it's got... If it's in my Kindle and in that printed edition... Yeah. I think it's got to be in the the manuscript like what was actually submitted like that's got to be a source uh i mean that happens character you know you get a name wrong in some things and unless someone can give us a better explanation i think we're just a little bit lost on that one i feel like it should be hagal yeah no i mean i i that's what i think it is if you want to go lost i think you just made a little typo of like yeah that's what i think i think he forgot what he called it and he's just like i'm gonna go (laughs) hugger why not or maybe it's changed names since then. Who knows? Paul outlawed L's. Did you say that uh, like Arrakis will be Rakis and stuff? So maybe uh, Hagal Hagar. Why you would just change that one letter, I don't know. 
Just to again fuck with the emperor. Yeah. He gets fined every time he says it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Tough crowd. Tough crowd. Every time you say it wrong, we give a Sardaukar teddy bear. Oh, oh, that'd be the worst. (laughs) Another month of rainbows. It's got to be it. Got to be it. Yeah, but I'm not sure. But we do at least got this cool coffee service. Mm -hmm. It's made from the same... Material is the throne to be questioned until the next book. <laughs> or like, or has been a little asterisk on Messiah this whole time. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So that's weird that Jameis has, though. Like, just yeah. uh, Where did Jameis get it? Just they, the Eric King Market? He killed somebody and he got it. So, yeah. like, I don't know. He had to kill, maybe he killed an emperor way back in the day. <laughs> somebody made a weird trip to Iraq. No, no, it's just a coffee pot. Let's not get too over the top. Okay, okay. Going too far, going too far. Um, but Cheney is tending to this glorious coffee pot, which has passed through many hands, and it's not quite ready yet. She puts the little, little lid right back on, and uh, we get a great description of her, and Paul's sort of remarking how beautiful she is. She's still got those elfin features. She hasn't really aged a day outside of the sand tracks at her eyes. I love that the firm called them sand tracks. Yeah, those are going to be a little, uh, what do we call them, crow's feet? Yeah. Yeah, sand tracks. Great. Little little worms have been going by. He also talks about how the fact that, like, in this weird way, looking at that coffee pot, like, Jameis has become immortalized in a very odd way. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to get to the other description of the coffee pot. The pot. Fluting silver. Female shape. Pregnant. I'm just like, hmm. Yeah. I guess Frank <laughs> really is a theme he wants us to think about a little bit. <laughs> Irulan would love to be. Chaney wants to be. Everybody wants to get pregnant in this book. Um, and the coffee pot is reminding Paul of that. And it's interesting mm. that it's uh, from the Ganema too, that he sees this. Like, mm-hmm. it was from Jameis, who has two kids. From Hara, who offered herself to him. Like, all these, everybody around him wanted to make him a papa. And he's just like, no. Pumping the brakes on that. Uh, and then he uh, thinks Ganema right away is kind of interesting after pregnant. But we'll get to that later. Okay. Now, this was a spoiler battle, which we obviously know. And with this, Cheney sets out three cups of coffee. Or, well, three cups, and then I think she fills two. But the third cup is always for the previous owners of the coffee service. Oh. So you just got a little from the dead. So, like, they've literally, every time they've had coffee for 12 years, they've been sending a cup out for Jameis in a way. Oh. Right? Like, it's, I don't know where Jameis got it from. Maybe it was Jeff's before, but, like, that's who that's kind of for. That's really, it's sort of a, I mean, what we do occasionally with our beer while camping, you know. That I would, that was what uh, Stevie taught me in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you're beer, you pour a little bit out and you say, pour los muertos, a little bit for the dead. That's what we're doing. We give them coffee. And I would appreciate that if I was the dead. Do they fill the cup, the cup out? See, that's what I'm saying. I don't think you, that seems wasteful. And yeah. I, I don't think we waste water. As much as we love the dead. We, we, know, don't, we give water for Jameis, though. But no, 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 no. Paul did, and it was weird, but it's okay. <laughs> Chaney didn't for her mom or da- her dad, any of her friends. She only did for her firstborn. Um, so that's why I don't think we fill the cup out because it's a cup of water. Hell no. Somebody's drinking that cup of uh, <laughs> Farouk. Now, <laughs> she looks up at Paul. Paul's having this internal struggle with his, uh, his identity right now because we're kind of getting this, how does she see him after the, all this time? And it lets you get a new description of Paul, right? Because mm-hmm. it's finally from her point of view. And for him, he's sort of just wondering if she sees an exotic off-worlder 
or if it's still like Usal from the Siet. Mm-hmm. It's this whole complex uh, of identities going on at once. And because uh, Paul, he stared down at his body, hard muscles, slender, a few more scars, but essentially the same despite 12 years as emperor. I love that Cheney's watching him. He's like, he's drinking his coffee and checking himself out naked. Again, <laughs> coffee's just been poured. Just checking himself oh. out naked. You gave him way too much credit, Mike. He hasn't moved. Chaney's the only one who's done. Paul has just stood there so far. Taking his boots off. I'll give you that. Um, but looking up, he glimpsed his face in the shelf mirror. Blue and blue Fremen eyes. Mark of spice addiction. A sharp Atreides nose. He looked the proper grandson for an Atreides who died in the bullring, creating a spectacle for his people. So, in case you missed that from the last book, exactly. yeah. just, like, just wanted you. to put that in here. Woo, draw this straight paraline. Paul is the grandpa, Thank not Leto. I appreciate I that. I deliberately did that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you did. And this is going to lead Paul to this great bit where I don't know. Well, actually, I kind of got an idea. How do you think he knows the old man's words? Because he never met the old man. Oh, uh, he can look back in his family history. With Hell his yeah. Blood. yeah. He can just play it back. He can have the old man come up and say it himself to him. Oh, he probably knows a lot more about that man than uh, ever did before. Yeah. In a and mo- almost in a scary way, too, if he's already comparing himself to him. I think we had Gurney do it. Well, we had Jessica do it. This is the well, first time he's saying it. I want to say, I think it would always be scary to know someone so intimately and honestly. Mm-hmm. We're like, there's nothing that spirit, whatever form, is going to hold back from you. Right. Whereas I think if you actually met your grandfather, he would. Because he he's going to shape an image for you. Right, right. But this must be so honest and compelling. Of That's just a like, good point. Here is my experience. And Paul can just dip into it. Mm. But the, the lessons we learn from him. One who rules assumes irrevocable responsibility for the ruled. You are husbandman. This demands, at times, a selfless act of love, which may only be amusing to those you rule. Now, is that is that him the, the day of the Corita? Maybe. Uh, just to be like, uh, he's going in there to entertain them, right? I'm kind of drawing from. Maybe. Just to be amusing only to those you rule, or at least that you need to be able to willing to go out there and like, you know, uh, not be concerned about your face it's and like how I'm doing you this appe- for them. Exactly. Like I'll let it all go. And However, then you get skewered by a bull. And then you get, <laughs> you know, some you win, some you lose. <laughs> sometimes the bull gets you. Sometimes you get the bull. Yeah, but I love it. And uh, you can see too how like that's not a Lado lesson. No, it doesn't feel like one. It feels very cynical the whole way through. But. With that Atreides morality, that you drop everything to do something for your people. That you're, so like, you're standing as like a shield for them. This is the most we're really getting from the old Duke from anything we've learned so far. So I think it's really cool. We get a direct quote from him. Direct quote, yeah. Yeah, definitely the best we got. Yeah. Uh, second close is uh, Gaius Helen's comment. That sounded like it was from personal experience. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. of that old man, like she liked that. At least enjoyed like the company of that man. Well, I mean, like maybe this is a little bit two faced because, like, yeah, definitely, you know, an act of love for your people, and like for, even if it's only for their amusement. But I think he enjoyed it. Going out in the arena. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, that definitely wasn't his selfless act. <laughs> no, that, that, was, that, was a, that was a one for one. Uh, but. Maybe we're, are we talking about Paul's Jihad here? 
Ooh. I mean, Paul gave up a lot to let that happen. Certainly, he's not happy it's happened. But he must think like, that well, him that, being in charge is important enough for that trade-off, like you, right? I'm like, you started this whether or not you wanted to. It's your responsibility to watch over this now. And this quote continues with, people still remember that old man with affection. And what have I done for the Atreides name, Paul asked himself. I've loosed the wolf among the sheep. It's like, not, not so much. Mm. And he, I like that he's able to look at that. It's like, they he, kind of being like, oh, will they even remember me in that way? Probably not. Like the way the conversation's going right now, I don't think it's how it's going to pan out. Now, he starts contemplating, like, the death and violence in his name. Uh, his face must betray this to Cheney because she kind of, like, cuts through to him mm-hmm. in a voice that would shock, like, the rest of the Imperium. Just like, like, you don't talk to the Emperor that way. She's like, you can bet now. And he's just like, walks over. Okay. Just like, they would, they would all, like, she would get hung by the Kizarat, right, basically, like, <laughs> if they heard this. And, uh... Like we find out that Paul's chamber is very simple for an emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll later learn it's it's stylized to be like a siet room, right? I think so this is like rock cut, yeah, exactly. The hangings and everything, but we are in the middle of the most ornate palace in all the Imperium, right, right, like, right. just money, money, money. And uh, we have a shelf uh, that's filled with glass jars of various contents. Now, the two that stood out to me uh, were obviously the hair from Leto II, mm-hmm. a classic. Uh, and then Desert Pharmacopoeia is a great one. Pharmacopoeia just came up when I was reading the uh, Immortality Key. Mm-hmm. That book was on the ancient cults, of the death cults within Greece that is were using this like drug. Different uh, plants you'd use for uh, drugs? Uh, well, it becomes the whole origin yes for drugs and like pharmaceuticals in general like that is where the word comes from and specifically in that myth was pharmacopa is like the uh word that he was originally using that was like the beverage or the thing prepared and there were like a few myths that this guy drove uh pulled from where like he was basically following the word pharmacopa through history to get back to this origin point oh so uh, just to see pharmacopoeia come up was really great and like yeah it's gonna be like all these kind of medicines and herbs and various uses right maybe a few tinctures and this and that but Oh, this pinch of sand from Siege Tabar. A little sand from Siege Tabar. That's a classic. I would love that. Uh, it's very far away from home right now. Mm-hmm. And there was also, Mike, in this room, a snooper. <gasps> we haven't seen one of these in a while. It has been a hot second. All of it? our years in the desert, we never needed him. Paul even kind of remarks on that here. And it's like, what has changed? Like, you got spice still. I thought that was the whole reason why we didn't need the snooper. Like, what's changed uh, now that we do? I mean, I think it makes you uh, resistant to poison, but not... I mean, like, there's a lot of different poisons out there. No, I mean, it's it immune to most poisons and the most common poisons you are immune to. But Maybe I guess, like... This they, is for uncommon sure, poisons. Sure, no, no, that's totally it's fair. It's for your piter poisons. They, yeah, we, we, we found a few in the <laughs> here when we processed them. No, yeah, and it must be... the. It's like it's some overbearing force has control of Paul's life that he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's not able to keep the snooper out of his personal chambers. That's how much control he doesn't have. Somebody is able to force this on him to be like, no, we keep you safe. We put a goddamn snooper in here. Because right. it's presence. It angers Paul. Now, then we get a great little uh, quick scene that you could miss if you just read right past it. But a spice liner comes whistling through the sky 
as the coffee is ready. And I like to think that coffee bot's got a little whistle to yeah. it, right? And those sounds just like sync up for a second. You don't know which is which. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, the coffee's ready. Um, but, and this thing like um, lights up the sky a little bit. It's whistling as it screams down the spice lighter. It's landing out on the air keen landing. A famous landing pad. Remember last time we saw the rows of spice columns mm-hmm, up there? Mm-hmm. It's basically all building up into it now. <laughs> Jeez. We've industrialized this whole place, or rather, like, uh, urbanized it. <laughs> oh, God. That's the Harkonnen that I'm coming through. Yeah, yeah the industrial. Oh, <laughs> oh really? yeah, definitely. No nature over here. Now, Cheney sees he's angry, and this is kind of misreading him a little bit, um, but it's something she can identify easily in him. So she starts massaging the lots, or the knots in his, in his legs. And remember, again, totally naked. They're just, sitting down. <laughs> okay. They're just having an intimate moment here. And uh, immediately, though, she brings up Irulan's desire for a child. And it's like, this chick is a little something involved. Just like, why did she jump right to that? And uh, Paul snaps that Irulan's only been here for two days, and she's already hounding Cheney. So it's going to be our time marker Exposition. there. Yes. And Cheney's going to tell us, we've not discussed her frustrations just like, all right, but we did discuss some things. And Paul examines Cheney in the Benny Gesserit way. This is what you touched on before, where even though he prefers not to. And I love that that's, that reminds me so much of Jessica and Leto. Oh. That parallel, right? Yeah. Now, hers was specifically like using the voice, but also just Benny Gesserit Wiles. She would only convince him. She would only use logic. Here, Paul's like, I don't like to read her. And it's sort of like for the same reason I think she didn't like to voice Leto. Like, Leto would listen to reason every time. Mm -hmm. Chaney will tell you how she feels every time. She holds nothing back because she is Fremen. And it's just like, it rolls right off. She wears her emotions (laughs) honestly. She's so straightforward and frank. It's, uh, it's, I think it's relaxing to Paul. And she's probably the only one that's like that in their life. Mm -hmm. Where, like, if I can highlight how she hasn't changed again since they met. Like, that's a static, um, uh, character trait for her. Especially in their relationship. Now, I think here Frank does render Cheney's character to cardboard motivations, so. Because <laughs> they, like, list, they give you this great list of how, like, knowledgeable she is in that. Uh, but his purpose is so shallow. Because she can memorize all these things, but everything they list out is just how she serves Paul as mm. basically a secretary. The same role Jessica kind of had. Like, she memorizes all these, like, where every legion is, what they need for support, who Paul can count on, all their weaknesses. It's like, cool. None of that is what... What does Cheney do on the fucking weekends? Like, what's Cheney's hobby? (laughs) I don't think you know. I don't know. I don't know a damn thing she likes. I don't know anything she enjoys outside of Paul and that Paul's doing well and that she would wish her kid was still alive. I mean, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, you got defense? No, we don't learn that much more about her. No, yeah, you're you're on shifting sands, Mike. I'm not, um, it's the drum sands. It's dangerous. <laughs> it's a trap. Now, Paul's, uh, he's unsure why Cheney brought up Irulan at all, right? This seems like a weird line of questioning. Uh, and the next line is exactly what the conspirators want, though, isn't it? Because Cheney says, I've troubled your mind. That wasn't my intention. Irulan provoked her to do that, though. You think she meant for it to pan out that way? Uh, well, do you... 
I guess it depends how much confidence you have in this conspirator's plan. Uh, you either need to buy in or not, but is that not the result that exactly what Sidetail wanted? Yes. Yes. That's sort of like a psychic poison. Do you... Th- I've read the book, but catch your, catch your uh, question okay, carefully. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, whatever you say, I will hold a mirror back up and <laughs> reflect it back at you real quick. But what, what were you trying to get to? Do you to? think that's her intention on this? Right. Iran. Yeah. Do, do we, so, what do you think? You think Irulan is playing it? Because you do know we're going to get to the fact that, like, she is giving Paul an out when we get to their conversation. Right. She's kind of playing both sides in a way. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of think she is, like, pushing your Cheney mm. a little bit. Priming the gears uh, for what she knows might have to come if this other option doesn't right. work. Yeah. And this is, like... Uh, yeah, she's had it all afternoon. Maybe she said one more thing after the meeting with Paul went so south. And we're just like, it, it's happening. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. Uh, now, because Cheney is suggesting the exact thing that would break Irulan from the conspiracy, I, I do have to lean towards like, Irulan mm, might have been pushing this one a little bit. It's exactly what she needs to all get right. out. Because if Paul says yes, Irulan's free. That's true. Her, you know? And Plan doesn't of, matter. Like, hey, Paul, these people have something up for you. I'm on the, I get what I want both ways. Now I'm in Paul's good graces and I have his child. So it, it's sort of like, uh, you know, the Shaddam went for all the low hanging fruit in negotiations. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he's like, am I still emperor? No, no, I'm not still emperor. All right. Hey, it was worth a shot, right? You got to ask. Uh, who's going to say no sometimes? But uh, Paul is just sort of reminded of how pragmatic uh, Cheney's mind can be, mm. where he says she reached a Fremen decision in bringing this up and wanting Irulan to have a child, or at least okaying it. And it, it was in like uh, the context you kind of said um, not that she's so Fremen, right? Because this is something the Fremen are used to and have adapted right. to. Like it's part of their culture. Dilgar has three wives. Mm-hmm. Can you name all three? Oh, I mean, that's Hara. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you better name oh, Hara. Oh, God. One had a really silly name that I cannot remember. Tharthar. Tharthar. Thar. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I love Tharthar. I forget the other one. So do I. <laughs> she wasn't it. Tharthar showed up. All right. I haven't met the other one. I think the other one is his oldest wife, though. He's been around the longest. Just in the encyclopedia. Yeah, well, yeah, because that's the only way she's named, Mike. Right, right, right. <laughs> Otherwise, we don't know she exists. That's really. right. Tharthar. Tharthar. I don't like that name. <gasps> you enjoyed it for the time. <laughs> Come on. It's fair. Um, but let's carry, carry out what this said. Uh, so it's a Fremen thing. They, they're they known to accept this. You know, mm. It's something that they, they can see as reasonable, especially um in a society like that where it's a very meritocracy, right? Like you're judged based on, on your capabilities as an individual. Okay. They would want the friend. Well, I'm just saying the friend would want to replicate those people more than others. Like, true, true, true. You want the more capable. To, I mean, like in a, in a way they're like, uh, they've got a little Benny Gesserit in their mindset there. Well, Frank did craft them all. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're all going to believe in eugenics on the basic level. Mm-hmm. That we can sculpt our genes by, like, weeding off the offshoot. Yeah. It's very flawed. It uh, doesn't leave any chance for the randomness so that maybe you don't judge the son by the sins of the father. <laughs> like, everybody can get better, people. But, it, yeah, it's interesting. And 
but that's also the chaos theory bit where we're seeing patterns replicated through. We're right. like, and that's how the Fremen got genes. The Bene Gesserit were pretty jealous of all things considered, right? Like yeah. it makes shit happen. Uh, you, you gotta see where these children go. All, uh, Paul's children. Gonna be something. Gonna be oh, something. He's special. gonna have more children. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I guess children of Dune, they would probably be his children, right? Hopefully. Yeah. 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 So that means Paul's going to live through this book. I mean, I think what you just pointed out clearly does not give you that. That's his, true. His children, definitely. hundred <laughs> percent. Chapter three, Paul has kids. Chapter four, Paul dies. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, that was really fast. That would be. Uh, I will promise you, though, Mike, nothing would be as clear cut as that. <laughs> okay. Like I, well, I. So we are going to get some political intrigue. No, no. I mean, I'm going to straight tell you, Paul's death is not going to be black and white. You're never just going to get a clear, like, well, that's the end of Paul's story. Like, Frank will do you a fucking solid, and he'll make this good. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're going to love it. But I'm I'm like, I'm not lying to you when I can tell you either or. Like, yes and no. Uh, I don't know what's going on now. No. No, much like the God Emperor. Oh. Let me just carry on then, Mike. Because we have, uh, Paul's going to look down at Cheney's face now. He's thinking of how pragmatic she is, right? It's a face he knows so well. And he closes his eyes, and he brings up a memory of Cheney. And he actually gets consumed um, by this memory. And something familiar yet kind of different happens at this moment, too. Okay. So this is a really fascinating, because uh, Paul's, his mouth went dry, and for a moment, his nostrils tasted the smoke of a devastated future and the voice of another kind of vision commanding him to disengage, <laughs> disengage. It's so weird. Disengage. Mike, this is the cousin of terrible purpose. This is our new bit. <laughs> disengage. It's going to keep coming up. Do we have a name for this one? Disengage. What the fuck else would we call it? What do we call Terrible Purpose? The two, they're Pokemon, Mike. They just say their names. <laughs> but it, it, it felt like his prophetic vision had been eavesdropping on eternity for such a long while, catching snatches of foreign tongues, listening to stones into flesh not his own. Since the day of his first encounter with terrible purpose. Hey, Paul, if you see my cousin disengage, he was just here. Not too bright, but man, he's good at parties. He's he's a fun guy. He had peered at the future, hoping to find peace. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. You're an avid Sunny Philadelphia fan. Oh, yes. So there's that episode where Frank's in a couch and he's like, he crawls out of it naked. Like I show that to so many people. It's like, you got to watch this show. If not just for this. So I imagine a naked Paul with a naked terrible purpose over his shoulder. No, no, you know, no, if I can. So if you want to keep that same scene, yeah, all that disengage is the naked Frank. Paul is the children. Frank and D talking to the associate terrible purpose thing. Say something bad about terror. Disengage. <laughs> Talk shit about di- who is disengage. I don't know. And then disengage comes out of the couch naked <laughs> and crawls on out. It's a fucking mess. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're switching up. But this is to emphasize, like, this is what Paul's seeing in the future now. Mm-hmm. What did we we before we saw a uh, rolling jihad, right? Just infinite violence right, right, right. anywhere you look. Now. He smells the smoke of a devastated future. That's what Paul's interpreting first. 
It's our first little bit. We're going to okay. build this prophecy a little bit. Paul's going to see multiple versions of it. Okay. This is your first taste, Mike. Just don't just know this is this is serious. This is real. This is the good stuff. Uh, but you got to you got to put terrible purpose on the back burner for a little bit. And you know terrible purpose is our un- is our like ancestral uh, race memories. consciousness. Yeah, right. Thank you. He called it right. I always, like I don't say race, but right, that right. is totally what he said for it. That's why I couldn't pull it up. I think it means like human race. No, yeah. He's like sense. the whole collective yeah, humans yeah. Coll- uh, collective unconscious, right? Yeah. Speaking together. What we just referenced in the chapter header, that little quote there. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And I feel like maybe disengage is that bit of force that comes down against it. Hmm. against the collectivity, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, bring it, it back to the quote or that episode. Sort of like changing it back and making terrible purpose the collectivity now and devastated the unconscious, but they're rather disengaged. Now, Paul looking at this, uh, he opens his eyes and this sort of snaps him back to reality. And like, that was a flash for him. He had a memory of Cheney and then like prescience took over dragged him into this future vision that's just devastation and carnage and whatever is going to happen. He's hearing this new voice telling him, this is like, what? so whatever this subconscious is telling him, like, get out of here. Don't take part in any of this. Like, all these actions around you, stop. But he can't. Now, he tells Cheney, she'll provide the only heir. Because we were talking about Irulan, right? She asks him, have you seen it? You can't tell her that. She's like, you haven't seen it. And oh, in she, regards to like, I mean, like, uh, he says like uh, something along the lines of, I'm only going to have your children. Like, you're. You'll be the only, like, you're going to provide the only heirs. Yeah. And yeah. she's asking like, so is that, have you seen that? Is that an actual future? Because she's seen him. He prophes- never even says no. That's the point. Well, then she tells him like, you haven't seen it then because you're not you're Usal. you're not willing to tell me i mm-hmm. fucking know you like i can read you like a book and she's seen him prophesize for the other legion commanders and stuff like that like awesome farouk have probably gone up and gotten to just have the prophet tell them a future of some sort that they could go and walk away from Ooh. being so entra- uh, like enchanted with she can cut through that and she knows He's never seen this. And how devastating is that? Like, for someone of all the people, she has the best understanding of his actual power, even more than Jessica. Jessica could never ask a yeah. goddamn question about it. Spoiler, Farouk invents the shop vac. You think Farouk invents the shop vac? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you want to give me a quick uh, what's Farouk been up to? Oh, that's a great question. I think he's retired. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. After what? Long time in the war, yeah. Why not? Yeah. How high? How I don't high, think he's died. So he started a sweeper. How high up did he get? I mean, we sent out legions to all kinds of planets, Mike. True. He's not Fedaikin, is he? Oh, definitely. He is. Yeah. I think Even Fedaikin sweeps. You know what? He's probably a general. All right. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. I like I it. I think he probably leads. It. He's the new Gurney. All right. He retired. What do you think? You think he met a woman in out Freyan, or did he marry Fremen? Oh, probably Afrian. That's how the, all the Fremen... Well, no, because all the Fremen are weird now, aren't they? I mean, we, we haven't met that many, but I mean... It's well, only, no, because originally they would only like... only been 12 years. They'd marry from the Pans and Sinks. No, no, right? other, other way around. Pans oh. and Sinks always wanted to marry Fremen. Fremen, oh, like... They gotcha. Despise, they despise... Mike, we didn't even want to use them as fodder. <laughs> In the war, we were like, are you really, these guys? These guys, Paul? And Paul's like, everyone's a Fremen today. All right, all right, all right. I don't know. I have no... All right. How many kids do you think he has? 
Ofaruk. Probably got three kids. Three kids. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Let's see where we get with Farouk. He's, uh, I think he's in the next chapter. <gasps> yeah, that's why I want to pull this out of you. <laughs> Carrying on, though. We got to jump back in because we're uh, Paul's talking about these visions and stuff, right? And uh, Paul's going to refer, and this one is really important to us, that the uh, it's harder to read the future because of the pressures of too many oracles. Which is again, conspiracy told us about this, right? They kind of primed us for this. And he says, uh, the vision future, scarce any longer accessible to him, except at the expenditure of life-draining effort. What could it show them except grief, Paul asked himself. He felt that he occupied an inhospitable middle zone, a wasted place where his emotions drifted, Swayed, swept outward in unchecked restlessness. So already we've had a devastated future and, um, oh, I'm sorry, a wasted place where his emotions drifted. Not looking good for Paul. No. no. Or, or all of humanity in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're thinking of those plebes? Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I, I just think this is like this is clearly a parallel to uh, how much we foreshadowed Lado's future right. in the beginning of Dune, right? In mm-hmm. very similar imagery almost in how it's presented. It's always Paul seeing weird shit overlaid over other shit. Uh, I love it. Now, Trady say, oh, <laughs> it's just a Trady's. Cheney says the Atreides. <laughs> you see all those mesh together yeah, really yeah, well. Yeah. Cheney says the Atreides heir is not something to leave to chance. Now, this is a red flag for Paul. Because he's like, my mom tell you that? I'm <laughs> just like, this is so much like something Jessica would say. You're in a wire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to check your phone records. I'm just like, he's literally worried that they're back channeling and having yeah. like, a conversation behind totally, him. Totally, though. And that's totally something Jessica would do. They... They became buddied real close at the end of that chapter, right? Uh, do you think that was Jessica-like uh, machinations? No. You think it's pure change? I think she's done. What? With the politics of everything. Uh, Cheney or Jessica? Jessica. Jessica, okay, yeah. You think she touched that? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I, I feel like this would be that one overarching, this one's for Leto. I'm like, one last thing I still got to do. Maybe. Okay. Maybe she does for the grandkid. Um but it'd be great if she's like, fuck it, done. <laughs> I got I got I got two kids born, they can take care of themselves. I got Kaladin now. It's really got out of hand. Um But we do also confirm that Jessica is still broken from the Bene Gesserit. Now yeah. we got hinted last chapter, but I told you we can't trust Sytale. So there was always a chance that Reverend Mother Gaius Helen mm-hmm. was faking that in front of him. Okay. If maybe they wanted to make it look like there was a break between the Bene Gesserit and the Emperor or something like that. Like, there's a lot of wiggle room in there, but like having Paul come in definitely solidifies, like, no, guys, Helen, she was telling some truth speak right there. I'm just like, she hates her so much. Uh, and with this, we learn that Cheney had eavesdropped on Irulan and Paul earlier. Dun dun. Yeah. Uh,. And up until this point, I would have thought we were going to jump to, like, Cheney and Irulan talking. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that it's Paul and Irulan with Cheney eavesdropping. Because it was so much Cheney-Irulan drama uh, mm-hmm. to build us up to this. But we got a great change. Scene change, Mike. 
We go back in time a little bit. We're going to leave rooms. We're going to go to the family salon. I don't even know where this room is in this building. Uh, but we walk in and some spice essence is spilled on the carpet, which is also a spice carpet. And it somehow... Everything's made of spice. Every, I think that's the problem. <laughs> and it dissolves it and turns it into this, like, muck, which just reeks of, like, this really... It's like... Why, yeah. why did you even bring it in there? It's like taking a uh, water balloon full of uh, I mean, water into a palace made of sugar. It's like, don't do that. Uh, blessed go the maker and his comings <laughs> and his goings. Who could stop Shia Halud and what he wills? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, who's just walking around with spice essence? Like, yeah. where is this going? Yeah, exactly. Like, in where did it, who just drowned a worm and just walking around the emperor's room like, with it? Paul told me to get him a cup. Like, <laughs> it's leaking everywhere, man. But I had to bring it in a sieve. It's the worst. But we get this great little trope that bad omens are an evil smell now. Like, all right. Uh, which is funny for how much the bad smell for them before used to be the sietch. Mm-hmm. That like you know, Paul to get used to that. That was never an evil smell. That's okay. I'm just saying it's a very subjective way to have evil. Hmm. What is a bad smell? Um, but clearly, I think spice. I guess the, death, right? I don't know because it's water affecting the spice, which is like the same essence that the worm is made from in a way. You, okay, okay. I thought you meant like uh, just like death smell of like in no, general, just like, like rotting. interpreting like how would a worm react to water being like thrown. I got you. Yeah. And, and you're making that connection between the like whatever this hyper cinnamon is and that right, like right, right. reality. Sure, sure. Because this is like the dying breath of a drowned worm, more or less. Of right? God. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before he can uh, call on anyone to do something, like clean this up. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Somebody, please. Hara pops in, and she's going to introduce Irulan. I was like, hey, Hara's here. We got a little Hara intro. And she pops out. She's gone, Mike. Don't, don't say hi. And, uh, but we do clearly identify her as Stilgar's wife. Yeah, it's like, hey, but like, uh, seriously, where's Farouk? This needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while you're out there, send in some sweepers. <laughs> I know at least Lemiel's got to be around, right? Somebody's got a broom. Uh, and that uh, Hara is also Chaney's closest friend. Great little touch. It's pretty good. Now, uh, Irulan comes right in, and she's ready to throw some hot words, right? She's got some irons right in the fire. I, I mean, I feel like this isn't the first time they've had this chat. <laughs> Every time she comes Every, to Kamala yeah. and she's ready to do it. But Paul just greets her mild, mildly. She's like, oh, hey, what's up, you? And, like, stops her in her tracks. She's like, mm, all right, got to repackage everything I was about to say. I thought we were going to fight, and I guess we're just going to play this one off like it's cool. And so, yeah, they have a, a normal kind of conversation. And this brings us um, right up to our excerpt from last week, right? Mm. Uh, where it's, uh, they put a lot on this princess, this yeah. b- b- the blood royal, like too much. And Irulan right then, it's like, oh, it has a Yui moment. I'm like, am I caught? I'm just going to clam up <laughs> real quick. And she has Yui-like success, too. You know what? There's it's, something about that. That's the other parallel. The, the Y factor. go on i see i see what you did there you sly bastard um but yeah and when she first comes in i like i like how paul greets her too with this kind of a question of like uh how absurd her uh task is or whatever Mm -hmm. and uh, his response back to her is like to be ridiculous and dangerous a questionable alliance and that is also i think cutting through with like 
I feel like that's Edric and um, Sightail are like the ridiculous and dangerous. Oh, right. Like both of them were very absurd in that's how kind, they were like deployed. That's kind of an interesting way to interpret that. I like that a I, lot. I can't tell you which one is which though. Both of them are kind of a little half and half. Both of them are equally ridiculous and dangerous. I'm a rebel without a cause. Without a cause. <laughs> Sightails like in pudgy fat form. <laughs> oh, me? Not me. Yeah, they're both, they're both absurd people to have a conspiracy with. And then you come back to the god, not a god, I always want to call him a god emperor, but like you come back to the prescient emperor who's omniscient, apparent, you know, mm. you are really, you don't know the limits of what he can and can't do. Is Paul a god emperor? <gasps> no. Oh, definitely not. Because uh, a god emperor can't die, Mike, and Paul definitely dies, right? You know I don't that. know. You've oh, been so ambiguous oh, with it. Maybe I don't know now. Maybe he goes to sleep, and after three days, he gets up, and then he's god emperor. Uh, but Irland clamps up, and Paul can see this physically happen to her. It's just cute, and I'm like, oh, I asked the right question. All right, I need to pry something out of Irland, but he's not going to ask the right ones following that. And uh, with this, Irulan, she does the litany of fear, right? Mm-hmm. You know that's what's going through. Inside, she just, yeah. Like, she's able to calm down. Paul, see, Paul sees that she's going through some, like, um, some regiments or something. I'm like, it's the litany. And uh, with this, do you think in this next line she's, like, begging Paul to save himself? Because she gives him, like, such a great out mm-hmm. where uh, she turns to a totally tangential topic. You've allowed the weather to fall in a very primitive pattern here, she said, rubbing her arms through the robe. It was dry, and there was a sandstorm today. Are you never going to let it rain? Ooh. Now, the two cues I pick up on there are sandstorm, because any chapter that we've had Cheney in, we've always used weather as a, an analogy oh, or a metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Right. Meteorologist so Cheney. She's, she's a cue to me of like, all right, I can't interpret weather literally. It's going to be metaphorical. So coming in, sandstorm. We know they want to cloud the prescience. Paul knows his prescience is clouded. He's in the middle of a sandstorm. Mm. Is he going to let it rain here? Will there ever be fertility? Uh. Asking for the baby. I think that's I think that's where that is. And she's laying that out. I think Sightail would be kind of proud of that. Like, okay. And she's like, yeah, you gave him. Oh, oh, do you think that she took that lesson? Maybe. She's had a while to think about it. Yeah, she could have took that one right from his book. I'm just like, all right, this is how this plot works. Because, like, even if you do evil things, you still feel like you have a moral high ground in a way. Well, I guess, actually, uh, I will uh, catch it. No, because, like, in this, though, I'm also seeing, like, she's building herself an out, right? Right. Right. Yeah, Sightail's giving them an out. This is, like, this is a two-way lane of like i'm coming with you switch sides you just gotta take this please for the love of god yeah yeah but she i think she wants to get offer mercy more Mm. than anything like let's 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 paint it that that way like she's just so human uh and these words hit paul they send his mind off kilter for a moment and again this is what the conspirators want Mm -hmm. even if it's unintentional on irulan's part they're knocking Paul left and right here. He's not on his uh, kind of flat-footed, right? Like, he's not ready to go. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, when you catch somebody flat-footed, that's when they're not ready, right? Uh, yeah. I wanted to say, like, on his heels. Like, uh, Gurney was always, like, on his heels Gur- when yeah, shit yeah. was about to hit the Different, fan. Yeah. Complete like, opposites. Yep. Yeah. Uh, on your heels. 
Now, Irulan then gets a little too bold, and she's, willing, she's like, I will cuckold you, and I will make you expose me. And I'm like, whoa. I, was just, I read that. I was like, wait, what? This is your plan B? Like, Jesus, woman. And Paul's like, go ahead. You can't have a child. And she's like, well, what if I do have a child? And Paul's like, oh. Very matter-of-factly. I love this. With a smile of utmost kindness, he said, I'd have you garroted if it came to that. And she's like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> you think you hear a gasp from the other side of the door? Like, <gasps> yeah, well, yeah, like, damn. Like, it's a shock silence held her for a moment. And Paul sends Chaney listening behind. It's at least quiet enough that he hears her breathing now, yeah. like behind these draperies. But I, that is, again, I think this is the grandfather. This is not Leto coming through. And this is like, even. Maybe even like more wicked than that, but it's just Paul being so straightforward. It's like you can do anything you want, but I will kill you and I will kill that child at the moment. Like you're not jeopardizing this station. Right. And yep, Irlan, uh, she quickly retreats from that one. Uh, like I, he's not lying. Yeah, though actually, I do have one other note in here, Mike. Uh, yeah. I did say it's safe to say there's a bit of the grandfather here, the Baron, that is. <gasps> Oh, the other grandfather is shining through in spades. Both of his grandfathers are kind of wild, actually. But again, different sides of the moral coin, but like their methods are oddly similar. Yeah. Yeah, they're both willing to go that extra mile. Hmm. Ooh. Now, uh, I like this next turn of the conversation because it must be very personal for Paul for someone to talk about being chosen for something. Mm-hmm which is what Irulan kind of brings up. That's always a sore note for him. Uh, And Paul's response is, "Uh, not I. Fate chose you. Your father chose you. The Bene Gesserit chose you. The Guild chose you. And they've chosen you once more. For what they've chosen you, uh, for what have they chosen you, Irulan? And points that question right at him. Oh, my God. But it's like, this is reminiscent of Paul telling, you know, Jessica, like, you did this to me. Like, I never got a choice. Like, this is the Bene Gesserit breeding program. This is the Mentat training. Right. This is all stuff everybody else forced on me. So don't give me that shit like you or I'm forcing you or someone <laughs> else is. Like, this is on you. Uh, and again, she just begs for a child. She thinks this royal heir is what she deserves. And like... They touch on Shaddam real quick in there. And Irulan gets a great point of question of what Paul was just thinking with his grandfather. You know, with Shaddam. Like, are they going to hate them less than you, Paul? Paul was just wondering, do they love, like, his grandfather? What are they going to think of me? They hate Shaddam. What do they think of you? Where does Paul line up with these two leaders? Like, worse than the worst of them, in a way. It's just, like, a good question. (laughs) <laughs> he just like really chastised yeah. like that is child Paul but that's a, that's a good question Irulan <laughs> you librarian you uh, but then Paul he's just gonna outline their relationship is plain this day then for like in case you miss this the day we set this contract up right mm-hmm. you can have any companion you want anyone you desire as many as you desire Irulan, he doesn't want to just be cruel and be like you can't he's not he's yeah. not denying her anything except for the throne which is unfortunately all she wants right right yeah but i mean he's done with benny jesuit definitely and she's the worst of them like literally bad at her mm, job even him and his mother they made up like 
not Benny Jesuit like uh, affiliated anymore. I wouldn't say made up. Let's wait until we ever get some interaction okay, between that, them. That's fair. But we, like, have, we have not seen Jessica, and I feel like that should be a signifier to like clearly her and Paul aren't on best terms. Fair. She wanted to fucking leave. Fair. Leave her son. You can handle an empire. <laughs> I'm fucking up. out. 18. Out of the, the palace. <laughs> I guess I'm going to say like 17 and 3. I think she was out. Yeah, maybe day. He was up. 18 when he was emperor. Was it? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think she timed it just right. That <laughs> She's like, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, but what, what, sorry, what were you building on beyond that? Uh, beyond the, like, their relationship? Oh God, I don't remember. I'm just you were saying we like uh, that he's over Bene Gesserit. Paul's over them. And- oh yeah, so he doesn't want them to have any any influence on the throne further. Especially okay, like okay. you yeah. know involved with his bloodline. Okay, yeah, I thought you just meant his Irulan as it, but yeah, you mean like so he's he's cuckolding them in a whole way. Yeah, <laughs> my throne. You can just watch. <laughs> and uh, yeah, pretty much he's gonna keep everything for himself. All the ships are his now, and especially his bloodline. That's the most important. I think he, he very much doesn't ever want his DNA to go back to them. No. They don't get to play with the Kwisatch Haderach toys no. anymore. No, what they could do with that, like, moving forward either. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I might even be, like, an unknown, right? I'm just like, I don't even want to know what you would do with my children. Because yeah, I know what you did to me. Now, uh, Paul, he told tells her, like, I won the right to control the heir to the throne when I smashed the Sadrakarlesians on the plains of Arakeen. Mm. Just like flat out, that yeah. that's what happened that day. This is what I took control of, the bloodline of the throne. Uh, Irland then, t- this is how this whole scene ends. I love this. It's on your head then. She whirls and she leaves. <sighs> Just puts that out, which like Paul should be like, wait, what? I'm like, that's, not, <laughs> that's not what we were talking about. <laughs> wait, what do you mean by that last part? <laughs> that's a little, little broad to leave on, but it Irland, does. babe, come back. <laughs> It's too late. We're back in the bedchamber with Cheney. Paul, again, naked. Now, <laughs> just got to know that's what you're coming back to. And this is like clearly framed. It's just like his ass, like, you know, looking out the window. You got Tim- Timothy Chalamet there. And uh, Paul has thought that under other circumstances, Irulan and Cheney could have been friends. Like, no, I disagree entirely. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. Under those circumstances, they would never meet. What possible circumstances could they meet and be friends? Fair. And I still don't think these two people are compatible. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Huh? If they went to weather school together, I... I like Because, like, Cheney only cares for Paul. Irlan only calls... Cares for Benny Jesuit. I don't. E- I don't even know. I because like she's also they think call- it only for herself. Well, the color they colored her so much as like um, Shaddam's favorite child, and she wanted to role like I think sort of a duality between the Benny Jesuit and the throne. Like it's just like she wanted to be the center of it all. Hmm. Could it be if like she doesn't also seem that vain? But I feel like that's what she wanted to get to. Like I'm gonna be the one who births this next stage or something like i just want to be important and i don't care who to like if huh. it can be the Bene Gesserit, but like no one ever loved her for her like even her dad didn't damn she was never the son he needed or wanted she was never the like reverend mother you know or sister she needed to be 
I don't know. For like, kind of feel for her. Though I do, I like her later on. She's gonna, she's gonna redeem herself for me. Uh, but let's jump back in. Let's go back to the bedchamber now. All right. Now, uh, Cheney asked Paul what uh, what he has decided, basically. And he says, like, uh, no child, he says, for ear alone. That's the mm-hmm. fundamental thing. Because we've gone through this whole flashback. And uh, she makes a slit across her throat. Like, the slitting of ear alone throat gesture. Like, with a Chris knife. Kind yeah, of yeah. It's yeah. like this weird, like, uh, just your classic. And I like that. Her doing that in the chamber, it's either like it's so taboo to say aloud or is she worried about spies overhearing even that? I mean, Irulan lives in the house. So, like, Irulan would have house spies. I think it's just Roman battle language. But why you would exercise it in your chamber? Just easy to do. Sure, sure. I just think it's interesting they leave that as the one thing. Out of everything else we've said in this room, that's Mm. what we leave unspoken. But yeah, and uh, Paul's like, maybe, <laughs> might, might get to that, like, sharpen it up, do what you gotta do. Katie, uh, get your girl out. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, no, I promised her the method, actually, it's not a, not a Chris knife. And uh, Paul kind of gets heated over this, but Chaney, uh she's our cool, steady stream. She calms him at every turn, right? As he kind of riles up. And she's so just rational with it, too, that it almost, like, irks Paul a little bit. But he's getting caught up in these things, and she'll cut through. Um, But he tells her, like, he's like, all right, probably not. He brought his anger back under control. And uh, he took her in his hands. He says, sorry, but that woman has many plots. Plots. Within plots. Oh, we're we getting back it. to it. It's as good as getting in the same chapter as Terrible Purpose. No wonder they all come as a package deal. Uh, and he says, given to one of her ambitions, and you could advance another of them. And that's very much what she was doing all day today. Mm-hmm. Everything you did, if you accepted those, you advanced like three of her agendas at once and really did nothing but help her advance, uh, possibly get out of some tricky situations, get into some new ones. Uh, and she tells him, like, look, I know. I'm the one who says that all the time. Like, that's my that's my shtick you're copying right now. It's interesting because Erlon is, in a way, sort of protected both by being the proximity of Paul and by Edric. So she can really choose which side she wants to go on at a, like, uh, flip of switch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, even by agreeing to be part of that conspiracy, I don't think she's crossed the point of no return just yet. Right. I think we still have some wiggle room, nothing set in stone. Well, like, they, they just tested to see if she was on board. No, no, and but I'm saying, She like, was on board for the fact that she wants an heir. If she gets an heir, that's all she needs or wants. Yeah, I think she gave them enough that she's part of that conspiracy. Right. But it's like she can still give Paul enough to get out of that conspiracy. Yeah. And that's, like, it's a really neat. But it's also, like, she's the only one who can be detected as well. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a really big uh, big mantle to take on of, like, hey, you know, you're the only one who can get caught. So, peace. I'm, yeah, no. I'm curious to see how things go with her. All right. Uh, well, Cheney's going to kind of switch gears for us here. She's going to go into War Cheney or War Council Cheney. War Cheney. <laughs> Same thing. War Council Cheney. <laughs> Just like, you know where we, we left Negotiator Cheney last time? It's like eye black on her face, but it's blood. It's like, hey, Cheney, where'd you get that? It's like, yeah, blood and spice. <laughs> Who says that? Blood and spice. Uh, but she lays down beside him. She places her head against his neck, and she says, they've come to a decision on how to fight you. Irulan reeks of secret decisions. They know. Who knows? Paul and Cheney. 
I mean, Cheney knows. If it, at the very least, like I like how she cut. She's telling you the plot of the book right now. Yeah, but it's vague enough that like that neither of them actually know, and I love that. But it's like they're like whoever the the ethereal enemy of us is. Like they know there's a plan. They know something's in motion. Part of it. That's about it. But I love how it is like she's hit it on the fucking nail. Well, doesn't Paul like describe Cheney as like in all of her wisdom? She knows uh, like that weaknesses of all of their enemies. That's why I say when they were listing out yeah. all of her, like, yeah, her many abilities, she knows all Paul's enemies. Mm-hmm. Cause again, it's always Paul. That yeah. is, that is the filter through which her character views all things. That's true. And the foundation. I really of, didn't want her to be shallow in this. Book. I know. I was really hoping. It doesn't happen. You, you, I tried Mike, you beat me down last time. And now I'm like, <laughs> it's true. It's so true. She's an empty still tent. Uh, <laughs> he's still yeah. But Paul, he strokes her hair, and I like this thing where he says that uh, Cheney had peeled away the dross. Terrible purpose brushed him. It was a Coriolis wind in his soul. It whistled through the framework of his being. His body knew things then, never learned in consciousness. What? Yeah. Do you know what a dross is? No. So it's a worthless rubbish. It's usually like obscuring something. Or there was another definition that was, uh, it was the particular scum on the surface of molten metal. Oh. Yeah, and you'd feel like that. Like slag? I think so, of just like that bit that'd be on the top. And right, then right. like you do it and it'd be like golden. This is yeah. the kind of stuff you would brush off. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's like a, like a visual, like it mm-hmm. seems like a surface kind of scum. And just, um, but I love that little bit. Dross, and that's what Cheney is able to peel away. Now, Paul wants nothing more than to end the jihad and break away from the Kizaran, which gives us insight of like, okay, he is still human. Mm-hmm. I think we did kind of need that. We need to know that you personally did want to be off this track. That's a great reminder. Uh, and then Cheney kind of tells him to disengage in her own Ooh. way. She tells him, then unchoose, she said. It's a good parallel, right? His arm tightens around her shoulder. Like, that's both and like bringing her in. I feel like a little just like freezing. (laughs) Maybe we choose a different word. Uh, In time, beloved, give me yet a little time. Unshed tears burned his eyes. So Paul's holding something back from us, I think, here. Okay. Something's uh, welling up in him. She tells him that we should return to see it's Tabar. There's too much to contend with in this tent of stone. Ooh. So, again, this is why I wanted to tell you that the room is shaped like a tent. Mm-hmm. That is very literal is what she's saying. Like, this room is a stone tent that they're actually in right now. That's kind of cool. Uh, so it's like literal and metaphorical to also call the palace a tent of stone. I think it's a fair to extrapolate out to the whole thing, but I do think she's just calling this room like this fake tent. We fucking live in Paul. <laughs> you, you made it look like this. Like, we can just go back out to the real thing. Paul agrees. And, uh, she tells him that Moadib is expected to return to the Fremen. And he's like, no, but I belong to a vision. And then I'm sort of tied to this as much as like, it sounds like the Fremen are spreading myths, right? That he will return home one day. Uh, we got this great little passage here, Mike. He thought then of the jihad of the gene mingling across parsecs and the vision, which told him how he might end it. Should he pay the price? 
All the hatefulness would evaporate, dying as fires dire, ember by ember. But oh, the terrifying price. What is this? Is what this the golden path you're talking taqua, about? What is the taqua, Mike? What is the taqua? Um, I think a it's little... Gotta, I, I really am like on this whole book kind of on the journey of like, how much did Frank plan ahead? I think it might kind of be, but also not, because Paul's going to tell us some visions he gets uh, as we go. I don't know. So I'm going to hold out. I'm going to hold out on the golden path just yet. Uh, but so he knows there's a way out of it. Yeah. But he knows the price is so incredibly steep. What is it? What do you think? I don't know. It's, I mean, like, would it be Cheney's death? What's the one thing Paul won't give up? Her. Kind of. Yeah. I think it's definitely what you're kind of building towards. Because we already said the... Uh, what does a child for Irulan mean? Potentially the death of Cheney. Replacing her. Well, just see, he said that's how the intrigue that's, works. That's what he was talking about. Where, like, okay. if she was pregnant, that gives her all the more reason to kill you because she has the air. She got what she needed. Of just the intrigues here. Paul's going to point to the... I'm sorry, actually, it's, it comes out, I think, a little bit more in this chapter, actually. And Paul's going to gesture to, like, the whole keep to be like, this fucking place is what's going to, like, all of it's out trying to kill you, Cheney, a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think you're on to, like, at least one possibility of, like, that's the price. Huh. That would be asked him at this moment. Really thinking back to that last uh, last sentence from the last, first book. Doesn't hold up too well right now. <laughs> they will uh, they'll call his wives yeah. <laughs> as they try to murder you in your sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a, not a no. I think it's a high camp, if you will. <laughs> now, Paul never wanted to have to make these decisions. That's basically his MO and all things. It's like, I should never have been here this again. This clerks. I'm not even supposed to be <laughs> here. This is my day off. <laughs> Ooh, do you know how that movie originally ended? No. He gets shot at the end. Oh, God. A guy comes in and uh, holds up the store. <laughs> what? Shoots him. That's the original ending wow. of the movie. Roll credits. And then uh, for the theatrical release, after it got picked up from Sundance, uh, they go and they change it. So he, like, the I think... Um, the ending is still all the way up, and they just cut the last part off where his buddy uh, Randall throws in the uh, rag that said, yes, I assure you we're open, because <laughs> I fucking love that bit. Uh, the original ending clicks. Better than doing a little ways. <laughs> Ooh. Just the, we are wives, come on. But, Paul, he's uh, he's been tortured by this his whole life, and he now thinks that he uh, he's loitered. And it reminds me of that vision he had uh, where he could be happy with Cheney for a little while, but he was franked by two grueling storms. Because mm-hmm. he thinks he's been hanging out in this sort of like happy period for too often. He's loitered in this happy, uh, this little uh, semblance of calm. And I just remember that in, when they had that first how, Cheney saw a possibility of them having happiness together. But it was flanked by two terrible events of great magnitude. And like, what if that's the fate we did end up in? We never, we never got out of that rut because Paul, at the last, the last off ramp, veered into it. And was like, <laughs> burn it all down. I'm done with this universe. Now, one line in Paul's thought actually brings Sidetail to mind for me, because he thinks, uh, and what was one life? 
no matter how beloved, against all the lives the jihad was certain to take. Could single misery be weighed against the agony of multitudes? So, Sightail's bit. I'm going to regret bringing death and misery to Moadib. Oh, God. Is hate going to kill Cheney? <laughs> you're like, you're moving the goalposts a lot today, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't know. There's so many, it's so early there. I so know. many things can yeah. happen. Yeah, you really, you really. Let's wait until you meet hate before you start judging hate because he's also a philosopher. It's hard not to judge hate. <laughs> it's really, yeah, yeah. Frank really misled you with that one. It's it's a it's a strong lead in of like yeah I see what you're saying swordmaster named Hey he might just slice and dice these people as soon as he gets there. That's a good plan though. <laughs> We're not gonna do a good plan. Come on now. <laughs> We're gonna do a Dune plan because there are seven people who all have different plans going. Now this existential thought continues until Cheney chimes in about a worm. A worm was seen below the shield wall. That's how we know the gap is still in there. Ah. Came right through. Uh, fucking worm. Uh, yeah, dude, that must be like, I bet they have like an air raid Everyone siren. Call- that no, goes. no, no, you oh, don't. No, no, you no, don't. No, 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 no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, what do you, you gotta like have somebody run with a thumper Citywide cone of silence. <laughs> Everyone stop moving. <laughs> it's a red light, green light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But this worm, I like, I love the, the, uh, lore they build up where it's beckoning Moadi back to the desert. That's Ooh. why the worm has come. So no matter what happens, even if it's not in his control. Even if it's a terrible event, that should be like a catastrophe. Like, ah, uh, it's just beckoning. Volcano him. goes off. Oh, Moadi. <laughs> like, no, get inside now. <laughs> you guys misunderstand everything. Now, this causes my favorite thing, which we did double back on in the first book. When you asked, mm. does Paul have the adab? Yep, here it is. He yeah. gets his bootleg adab, and it kicks in. Paul starts having visions within visions. This is even like even crazier than the original adab seemed to be. He's first in his room on Caladan. We're in the childhood room. Ooh. Nobody else is around. Paul's the only one. No friends. Uh, he hears the sounds of children laughter down the hall. Party <laughs> in the orphan room. In a door he's never allowed to open. <laughs> Gurney keeps coming out of there, though, with a big <laughs> smile on his face. And... Uh, this cuts to a dark night in a stone chamber. This is bringing us to a sketch now. And I like that it's layering within. And then he's riding on a worm with a parade of Fremen behind him. He speaks presumably to Cheney, maybe to Stilgar, because it said it was loving words. And I showed you that picture of Stilgar and uh, him yeah. looked at each other in the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just pure love. But uh, ultimately, Cheney, she keeps talking to Paul. Uh, but he's too shaken to really hear her. Like, this thing, this adab overwhelms him and then retreats and sort of leaves him like, oh, what the hell was that? And uh, Cheney, like, is talking. It's going right past him. Who put that into him? That It would have, I mean, I think I would have to say it was from the total Kwisatch Haderach because he has complete, like, reverend mothers to just, right. you know, take their whole memories from. I think that's got to be it. Because certainly it's not like Jessica gave it, you know, she couldn't do that with no. however it's like put into your mind. But I think that's it. It's my best guess. That's weird. And where I think it's not, yeah, maybe it's not him. Like it's triggering in somebody else and he channels them. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But it, I don't know. I'd like just calling it a bootlegged dub from now. All right, sure. 
And that's what we roll with for it. Uh, Cheney, though, she's telling him some pretty important shit that he's really not absorbing right now. She's been going to the Desert Edge. That's probably pretty important. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's basically, she's taking part in a Fremen fertility ritual. If that wasn't, like, very clear to you. But it's for uh, her trying to cause a pregnancy within her. Gotcha. She, to get over this, like, whatever this hurdle. Aren't there, like, blood sacrifices and shit? That's also what's been happening. Of like, She's like, and they've started doing the old rites. Not me, Paul. I didn't take part, <laughs> but I, I saw them and uh, and blood sacrifices. And it's like, Janie, she she probably oversaw a few blood rites. Of, uh, I think she's that desperate for a child. But yes. Yeah, so I don't think she did. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I know about Cheney yeah. anymore. <laughs> Who is this woman? No, no, you're right. She probably, probably wouldn't lie to Paul about something like that. Right. Uh, but I think she's telling him, like, it's just a, there is a change. There's a regression happening within the Fremen. They're unhappy. They're feeling mm-hmm. like a little uh, bottled up or something. Uh, Paul, he's unable to speak. He felt himself consumed by the raw power of that early vision. Terrible purpose. In that moment, his whole life was a limb shaken by the departure of a bird. Ooh. And the bird was chance. Free will. I succumbed to the lure of the oracle, he thought. Now, in the first book, he told us that was the one thing he had to avoid. The mm-hmm. lure of the oracle. Taking that safe path. They're ever down into stagnation. The, that's the guild path. Mm-hmm. Always like, yeah, the first one he was show of like, if we're going to sign an example, those guys are the lazy, prescient mm-hmm. ones. But he has inevitably done it, right? Just by taking part in it. And uh, I like this is that Frank is also kind of letting you like, letting you know, we are on the rails now. Free will, je- like chance and free will just left. Mm-hmm. That was them departing the novel. Everything is on its course now. <laughs> I think it's just really great. Jihad part two. Y- yeah, well, kind of. That was his choice. Like, who knows where the fuck this is going to lead. Uh, but it's not going to be under Paul's control. And I like that he has this great thought, too, of, like, um, wondering if it is the Oracle who creates the future or sees the future. That's a really good question, though. That was a great one. And, like, Brought you back to the Heisenberg principle of like, yeah, he's and he thinks specifically he goes back to that tent of like, did I stumble into a spider web that whole like way back then and I just never knew it because like as soon as he looked, did he shape all of this future? Was it did it happen then? I think in a way it definitely did. Like I think he put us on a course that you right. could, you couldn't turn out of at that point. Because like he with the Mentat training, even if he wasn't able to process all those things all at once, he has them stored. I think all those memories, those possibilities. Sure. So like all those decisions have some sort of subconscious like uh, driving force. Yeah, them. yeah. Even if so, like it's also since it's described as vision, I wonder if it's even like a knowing sort of thing or like a seeing. Like, so you know how every time he looks into the future, like, would you just always see all those sub ones? And then you're always reminded Mm -hmm. of it, even if you didn't, you know, have perfect recall of it, like you're saying. Like, even if he didn't use his mentat abilities to store it, it's just part of that kaleidoscope every time. You can't help but be aware and see. Very much the, uh, the Oracle from the Matrix. Yeah, I think we talked about that once before. The real the, thing that'll drive you crazy with is... With the cookie jar. Would you have knocked that vase over if I hadn't told you? Oh, right. It's with vase, not the cookie vase. jar. 
She gives him cookies, though. The basin. Yeah, she, I think she's making yeah. cookies, right? Uh, in the oven. That's always her silver line. Just like, yeah, future sucks, but here's a cookie. Yeah, yeah, I love it. She run like a daycare. It's a very strange place. It's a very strange place. Um, but yeah, so that is uh, something that we have available to us now. We're not knowing, like, what is... I feel like we we got a discount prescience now. Mm-hmm. We got to like throw that power out. Like that one is sort of a useless one. It's only going to get us in trouble. Mm-hmm. What else does Paul have in his toolbox to get him out of like this little, uh, this hiccup that like, how do you MacGyver yourself out of a jihad? Yeah. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Here's your roll. Oh, you got a laser and a shield belt. Go and for it. Bubble gum. Oh no. Um, and Paul wonders like, um, this Ben a desert axiom, basically it slips into his mind. To use raw power is to make yourself infinitely vulnerable to greater powers. Yeah. And like, this is something he observed with the guild. Yeah. Like, you're just arguing. Like, I see how easily you go down the path. Well, I can do greater and hold this thread over you, like hold this spice. But mm-hmm. like, by you sampling that, who got a power over you now? Right. right. And it's all the people that kind of know the key to your genetic heritage it seem to be the Bene Tlaxon and the Bene Gesserit. Yeah. yeah, they get the biggest hold over you. And the guild is very familiar with your powers. Very familiar. Oh, it's very, the guild is very <laughs> familiar. That'll be every time the guild... The, Edric is just going to be the <laughs> like the face of the guild, which is going to be disparaging to the guild. <laughs> um, like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, what, what, oh, we fired him months ago. Now, this vision finally recedes to Sadop, and Paul goes back to the balcony window, naked. It's a large view of a blank wall. <laughs> no robe, Mike. I didn't see a robe. Come on. Okay, I don't no, know if you caught it. Uh, and I like that it, he goes to his balcony, and you're like, you're Emperor's balcony, Mike. What are you going to see? You're going to see exactly what I saw at my window in Puerto Rico. I live behind an abandoned mall. So I just saw a mall. <laughs> Solid brick wall, five story. It was like two stories higher than my house, right? It was so impeding. And like at noon, you can get some good sunlight, but like Paul goes out and it's just the wall to the keep. That is so sad and bland. Like for the emperor's view too. You didn't even make it like glass. Like you can't even look through it. It's this wall. And like, if he looks down, he can see a garden. I think if he looks off to the side, he can see like the city kind of deal. But like, wall it's got another but wall it's just the great equalizer here i love it and uh paul he kind of remarks on like all these changes that have happened here and that he could crush the water sellers their entire industry and this is just yeah. like in case you're wondering how lingard butte's doing not, not well, good. Not well. Not good. <laughs> no. he's got some strong choice words he's a fucking rebel now he's yeah. like i'm killing that duke uh because he's out in just the entire industry. I like to think we melted the caps. I don't know what we've done, but like. Uh, and he thinks about how uh, he's trying to tell everyone on this entire planet to grow in its place. Like he's that much of a Ooh. micromanager now. And how impossible that task is just on this planet alone. Like he can't do it on Dune. And now just to turn and look at all the stars and extrapolate that out to the universe. Like how could I possibly do it? anywhere else too mm-hmm. uh he knows all of this is crumbling around him like he he built his empire on sand literally yeah literally literally uh and we get to the end of uh this chapter here abruptly he closed the draperies sealed the ventilators he turned towards cheney in the darkness 
felt her waiting there. Her water rings tinkled like the alms bells of pilgrims. He groped his way to the sound, encountering her outstretched arms. Beloved, she whispered, have I troubled you? His arms enclosed his future as they enclosed him. Not you, he said. Oh, not you. Chapter and like that is not a confident Paul. No, I've seen shaking. He's no. having these visions, racked back and forth. And but I do like that it just ends his husband and wife just laying down, just going to bed, putting the troubles of the world kind of behind them for at least the next eight hours, right? We can at least be together. And he just takes her in his arms and that is like holds him through. But he has no answers. We don't really know what he's gonna do. How confident are you of Paul getting out of this one? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no, I know. I know we have You keep saying when Paul dies, when Paul dies. I don't I don't know. Is he's, he gonna he, die in this book? Is he gonna he's die immortal. in this book? He's immortal. I mean, Mike, I say that in the safety that God Emperor gets me three thousand years in the future. I can tell you anyone's gonna die. That's true. That's how I feel good about that one. Edric. Oh. Lifespan of a guild navigator. I don't know if I know that one up top. I I imagine it can't be it's gotta be long because it's so spice saturated. Right. Yeah. But he is still technically human. Yeah, exactly. So like I don't think he makes it to three thousand, five thousand years. I definitely never met him. as an order? Uh no. Uh as an oh, individual. As, as, a, a, as a rogue, rogue baby Jesuit. <laughs> if she is, she's not on the books. <laughs> she's very much keeping that one up. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Brian, don't write this down. Do you have uh, anything else you want to go into for that chapter? No. I'm sorry, I'm just sipping away with this wine here. I'm no, like, that's fine. Keep shooting the shit on this all day. But uh, I just like with the first book, mm-hmm. the first few chapters, there was so much world building we had to talk about. Yes. The world's already built. Yeah. So we just need to, like, I feel like uh, this is in the later chapters where I'm just trying to figure out what is going on, who are the players, what's the game. I feel like we just need to have more characters introduced. Definitely. Because, like, right now, I feel like you were just in a room of mirrors. Yeah. And, like, you're just like, you don't even know what's a wall right now. You're like, no, I know what this is. And I'm like, no, but that's I mean, not half that. Of this was Paul, like, sort of arguing with himself, like, no, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. He, again, like he does in the tent scene, mm-hmm. Paul telling us, I'm a little ways ahead of you guys. Like, I've already thought about that. I'm not going to tell you, but I, like, I'm thinking of how I'm going to play this. And we're like, play what? Against who? When? And it's like, that's chapter five. <laughs> but yeah, we have, uh, we're going to spend still, I think, the next couple chapters throwing pieces on the board. And Frank, he does have his style, right? You spend a few chapters meeting everybody. And then once they're set, you run. And that's what I really love. And that's also why I love how short this book is. Because he sticks to it, but he's got a concise story to tell us. So I guess moving forward, I want to keep an eye on Irulan because she's our new Yui. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. She's like a double agent Yui. She could cross anyone at any time. Yeah, yeah. Well, Yui, like, he didn't need an out. Yui was totally set, right? True. He knew what he wanted. And Irulan is... She I think has... I almost respect Yui more than Irulan then. I think... You know what? He was just in the plot longer, you know? Maybe he had time to think about it. He had a, <laughs> he had a long time to dwell that's on true, that that's one. That's true. Irulan's game just started a couple days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Give her time. Let her impress you. Uh, but I like her as a Yui parallel. What else, what else do you want to set up as a parallel? Oh, I mean, Paul Leto, Paul Leto walking into a Cheney trap. Jessica in this case. Sure. 
Yeah. And they, yeah, that's kind of where we're but at. But it's not about, like, her being wife. It's about, like, you need to have uh, an heir. Oh, you know like what? now. So following this setup, we should see the lieutenants coming next then, right? <gasps> oh, you're right. Shouldn't this be a parade yeah. of secondary characters yeah. coming in? All right. Oh, I want... Oh, you said Farouk's in the next chapter. Oh, I did already tell you yeah. where we're going. All right. All right. Well, why don't we leave this speculation thing? I'm like, I got to go pay some jump taxes. All right. I, I took out a big loan last week. No. Yeah, no, it's worth it. We have, I got some good spice. All right. Okay. Oh, man. Derek. So that that was a cool chapter. It, it, got to sort of see what's going on with Paul. This book is starting off strong. It really is. There's there's a lot of intrigue, a lot of political intrigue. Not so much the survival aspect like there was last time, and like surviving the desert and like being oh, hunted. Yeah, that that's a, it's kind of just like it's mirroring like, that one aspect of the of the first story. I mean, like we're back to the game of assassins. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I love book one, Mike, because I always think Lita's going to get out of it. I think Paul's going to get out of this one. I think he's going to do it. Wait, are you foreshadowing something? <laughs> Am I alluding, maybe? Oh, God. Too strong? Well, let me allude to something here, Derek. Okay. <laughs> the fact that we partnered with Audible, and right now they're offering our listeners a free 30-day trial when they visit audibletrial.com slash SpiceWorldPod. Ooh, that's a bargain. It's a pretty good one. So, what you get when you sign up? One credit that you can use to pay for one of thousands of titles, like Dune, my first audiobook. Ooh. And... If you sign up with your Amazon Prime account, you get two credits instead. So, hey, you can get Messiah too. Like, oh, a whole package deal. <laughs> whole package deal. From then on, you'll receive an additional credit each month to help you build an amazing audiobook library. And Derek, mm. what are you listening to right now? Oh, Mike, you know, every now and then I just got to go with where the wind takes me. And uh, this week, you know, I dip back into The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Mm. You familiar with this series? I've actually never read it. I love Patrick Rothfuss, but I've never actually read it. So, yeah, I him I met him, I wouldn't say met him, but like have been entertained by him through Dungeons and Dragons yeah. where he plays with the Acquisitions Incorporated bit mm-hmm. for uh mm-hmm. Penny Arcade Expo. Uh and then I, uh, I had a friend or a couple of friends who've recommended this series. It's called The Kingslayer Chronicles. Right. To me so many times. I was like, "All right, I'll finally give it a try." And in it, you know, it didn't really grab me as much. But what I loved about this series uh, was the magic that Patrick Rothfuss imagines. It's basically um, quantum mechanics, as described ah. in this world, where, like, particles interact with each other. And, like, you just sort of focus on them Matilda style. Or, like, Ooh. you know, where she concentrates on the dust to make her magic happen? Yeah, yeah. That's sort of like this. And things have, like, a proportional relationship where you can bind a particle to the air or something. And like it will react in a certain way and it, it's just really neat and the um, narrator the protagonist does a great job of like he's exploring this whole kind of magic system himself and like is just describing what he's doing along the way as he learns it from a, a very like curmudgeon old man um, <laughs> and it's like a bard's tale in a fantasy world which is really cool so they're like demons that come up song determines everything in a way uh <laughs> That's really so cool. And I love high fantasy too, so that's definitely going to go on my list. I've just been hesitant because, like, I know he's still finishing the series. And, like, I don't want to get so hooked yeah. that I'm like, I can't oh. binge it. Oh. No, like on Netflix. Wait, wait, Mike. You don't want to get hooked into a series where it doesn't have an ending, where maybe the author dies before he gets that last book out? Is that uh, what you're worried about? Hey, you know what? I think some of the best ones 
end like that. I thought you were making a pass at me because of Wheel of Time. No, I'm because of Dune, you guys. <laughs> like, we are on that track right now. <laughs> this this just ends, Mike, and we go spiraling <laughs> off. There's no station at the end. Uh, so that's what I've been listening to. The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. That's fantastic. But, hey, Derek. Yeah. Your 30 days are up. What if you don't like Audible? Well, Audible is going to come back from a two-day trip to some other planet. And when they do, you're just going to go right in and tell them right up, hey, I need to cancel. If they, if they threaten you, Mike, if they tell you they're going to have somebody else sign on to your account and they're going to tell them it's not you, you just say, I'm going to cancel you and the other account today. I'm going to grow out both those accounts. Yeah. And they'll, they'll back down, and then they'll give you that 30-day warning, Mike. <laughs> Perfect. So in other words, they'll send you a courtesy email if you don't want to continue. Yeah, yeah. A little yeah. column A, little column B. <laughs> column A, column B. Even if you don't want to, you still get to keep your entire audiobook library and continue listening whenever you want. That's fantastic. Even all those originals you've yeah. added in that I've told you about. Exactly. We know you understand the value of a good book. You read Dune. We're going to help you get a free audiobook when you visit audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. So guys, head on over there and send us a little book recommendation back with that book you get with your free trial from audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. All right, Derek, let's see what we got today. Uh, we got a deep dive. Let's go. All right, Mike, so this day's deep dive. We're going back to somewhere we've already been before. We're going to kind of continue on with Cheney's story. So we're not going to get to the end of it, but uh, do you remember last time where we did her biography up to? Um, this is reaching back quite I, a bit. Okay, I think it was when Ramallah was taking the girls out to sort of like talk about their menses and like give them the drug and sort of test them to see which would be best to be like maybe a next uh, Reverend Mother going yeah. forward. That was involved in her story. Uh, more specifically, we went right up to... Um, when she went out in the desert to the fight with Jameis. Oh, Paul's right, yeah, that was, like, the last thing mentioned. Yeah, the Tuanu Basin. Like, that right, was where right, we right. were in Dune at that point. That was why I stopped there. So we had gotten, and we kind of found out that Romalo, she chose Cheney, yeah, at the time for Menses to put her on that track, and then she also told her to kind of like, go you out. you have to go out here. Like, go with still go. Like, her eyes almost. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I want your opinion of it, which is also Every, how Paul uses it. You know her. what? Everyone wants Cheney's <laughs> opinion. Yeah. We're <laughs> She's got a lot of good opinions. One consistency so we're obviously gonna skip the time we were with her at the end of that book you know mm -hmm. the Romalo uh when she finally ascended and she became Sayadina and uh, you know uh Jessica became the Reverend Mother that whole scene the time when the Emperor seceded we can put all that away and let's just jump right in and we're focusing on um the years in between uh where Cheney kind of got to be happy a little bit with Paul, right? We yeah. had that little little uh, brief period in between two storms, and this uh, just goes right in with, the next two years were both the most joyous and the most frightening of Cheney's life. She had her Usal, her mate, despite the Reverend Mother Jessica's misgivings concerning their marriage of youth. So that brings us back a little bit. Yep, we're like, yep, that yep. was a constant uh, upswing. She watched the legend and the power grow around him, rejoicing in his strength and exulting in his victories. She added to his stature among the tribes at times by fighting challengers she considered unworthy of facing him <laughs> and sending them to the death stills herself. Yep. Yeah, so good, good Chaney times. These are all of our highlights um, that we got. It was during this period, too, that she presented him with his firstborn son, who they named Leto in the honor of the martyr duke. 
That's too soon, Derek. Too soon. We can't bring it up. Too soon. <laughs> Fifteen years too soon. That's really true. But there was terror in those years as well. Usal, though not a Fremen born, had to behave as one or lose his hold on the tribes. This adaptation required him to learn, much later in life than usual, the ways of the free people. Mm. That I, I enjoy that kind of take yeah. of uh, using that. No one else has gone that flair to be like uh, the conjunction that is Fremen, right? Mm. Now, Cheney was the Sayadina of the right the morning Usal became a sand rider, calling and controlling the huge sandworm that terrified all but the Fremen and awed even them. She was one of the most anxious observers of the struggle between her mate and Stilgar, her uncle, the Naib. So these are all our greatest points there where we saw that uh, building up. And mm-hmm. I think through that whole struggle, too, we were kind of defining or I was losing faith in Chaney's uh, depth of as a character. Well, they, they say this almost like uh, posthumously, just like that's not the right word. Uh, no, kind of. This is thousands of years in the future. Oh, She's guess. definitely dead at this point. Yes, because I was going to say, like, Cheney's not dead. <laughs> She's not going to die, right? No, we're not going to the <laughs> end of the article. <laughs> All right. But what? <laughs> but um, just the idea that, in retrospect, mm-hmm. she probably was thinking this, but we didn't feel any of that while reading it because we never really got her perspective on literally anything, even though she has great opinions, apparently. Okay. Everyone wants Everyone them. Everyone wants them, yeah. But we never got any of them, which I just thought was a disservice. Definitely. For, for as her as a character. Yeah. Yeah, we never get the chance. So, hope I mean, hopefully, like, all these tidbits, like, looking back will sort of help color her a little bit better. But until we get some more, like, uh, direct dialogue from her in Messiah, like, we're still sort of, like, with a half-empty character. How confident are you that you'll get that direct dialogue? Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, throw me out a percentage, roughly. Well, I mean, hey, we started... Um, Wait a second. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, we already got her in Chapter 2, but then again, I remember how many chapters Piter was actually in. <laughs> 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 so, maybe, maybe not. A good example. Shame on me. <laughs> well, she's in the beginning of the book. She'll yeah. be everywhere. <laughs> That's, I'm gonna hold out hope. Okay, I'm gonna hold out hope. I think that's hey, hope. Sometimes that's all you got, Mike. <laughs> now, the most frightening moment of all came when she was summoned to help revive Paul after his three weeks sleep in the waters of life. He regained consciousness only after Cheney tested his reaction to the illuminating poison in its raw state, which Jessica had never thought to try. Yep, and I uh, I still have questions. Illuminating there. poison. That's a really really cool way to report C- that. Colorful way of yeah. like yeah, going to the the waters of life, Mike. They let you see everything. Now, the younger woman raised on the legends of the Fremen Mahdi, both recognized the look of the coma and realized that trying to convert the raw water himself was a battle Usal might very well win. Ooh. So that, I don't think we got that impression in the moment with her. No. Of being like, she just said, like, he's crazy enough to do that. Well, yeah, no, I guess that was just like, I know my husband, I know he's going to do that. He would, yeah, anything you tell him, he can't, he's got the Marty McFly thing, mm. I think is what we kind of said. But now it's sort of like her reframing that to be like, no, this is something he could definitely win. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> Paul's got this. Uh, this tumultuous period ended with the final battle for Arrakis in 101-93. When Paul Atreides wrestled control of the planet and its spice from Shaddam and forced his abdication, Cheney could take comfort only from Paul's presence, not his triumph. 
So this is going to be the whole point of chapter two, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. She is there as a figurehead and just sort of like a paper wife. Like, you're not real to him in any means. Oh, with Irlan? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it did say Cheney could take comfort. I'm sorry. Uh, the inverse of that is all the same. <laughs> it's just trip. like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't get to stand as the wife, but she yeah. is like the one who has all, you know, he in- confides in her in every level. Right, right, right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, now, with their Lado dead, a casualty of that battle, she could take no joy in their victory. Now, this is when she came into that room bawling, right? And again, I kind of point, I'm pretty sure only time she shed tears. Yeah. Now, uh, when she brought the news of the boy's death to her Usal, who knew it already and shared her grief, she reduced the Fremen waiting uh, with him to silence. So everyone in that room just in observation, basically. Mm. The loss of their son had broken a reserve that had withstood the deaths of her mother, her father, and CH mates past counting. Cheney gave water to the dead, letting the tears flow as if such a precious sacrifice could persuade Shai Halud to free her from pain. Did McNelly write this Dang. article? I don't know, but someone with a little Fremen like, uh, from touch damn. to that. Damn. Yeah. Just pleading with Shai Halud. I'm getting chills. I feel terrible. I would don't even like this to take so it tragic. as like... What if Shia Halud was sort of like the Grim Reaper figure and you're crying to scare him away from taking the dead or something? So many ways you can go with that. Oh my but that's God. great. That does even more about God damn it, Derek. We got we got many options here. Now, during the three years of negotiations preceding Paul's formal acceptance by the Landsrad and the Spacing Guild, Cheney assisted Lady Jessica in bargaining with the outgoing emperor. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I don't think we actually got that impression that there was like three years of negotiations then. There were three years of it? I mean, for, I mean you're trading off an emperor, Mike, in a, in a cool <laughs> Like, I think you can take some time. I want it done wow. right. I want it done right. Just like legal court fees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, people. Show them stepping in. Yeah, there's, there's some gears that got turned. You got to move some eyeliners. Mm-hmm, it takes mm-hmm, some time. Mm-hmm. It takes some time. Uh, Jessica often said after the seemingly endless rounds of talks uh, drew to a close that she hoped never to have to negotiate any kind of terms against a Fremen since their ferocity in battle paled before their determination at a conference table. A three-year battle with a stubborn Fremen. Yeah, I wouldn't want to ever do that again either. (laughs) Someone who's good with paper? Never. (laughs) Now, while Jessica's own skills in such matters were not to be doubted, we can safely assume that many of the concessions were won for the new emperor by his Fremen concubine. And I mean, an MBA does help. Right, but he's saying, like, so Cheney did it without the MBA. Like, uh, that's all, true. It's saying Jessica this good. Cheney still was probably the one responsible for all these like, things that you pulled in. Of like, just with just that. like, I see your terms, it like shreds it. <laughs> like starting over <laughs> with a Chris knife. <laughs> oh God, these are great terms. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> now, Cheney had other worries during these years beyond those of a negotiator. Five times during this period, attempts were made on the royal concubine's life. Once, the would-be assassin managed to infiltrate her apartments and might have succeeded in his aim had his knife work been just a fraction more expert. So his meaning, uh, somebody else's was a little bit better. Cheney Ch- fucked him up. Cheney managed How, I didn't to realize dis- there were assassination attempts on her. Five. 
Oh. And so I only got this one to tell you about. This I guess one guy got close. Four other people's you know, <laughs> not even. Yeah, they made it through the door, but uh, <laughs> like, oh god. Yeah. But so she was able to dispatch this man uh, with her Chris knife, and she stormed into the castle chamber without pausing to change her robe. Oh the sight God. of her bursting into the room, stained with her assailant's blood, her hands still poised in the sheath Chris knife's handle, uh, threw the table into an uproar. Amid the confusion, Lady Jessica, as Cheney had anticipated she would, focused her attention on Irulan. <gasps> Oh, so this is like a ruse in a house almost just to be like, I need to find out if this bitch was responsible. Yeah. And I'm going to do it in the most dramatic way uh, that I can. That's, now, that uh, also speaks uh, volumes of sort of how well Cheney and Jessica know each other. The fact that like she knew Jessica would do that. But how a Benny Jesuit is going to yeah. react in the situation. What do you think the uh, turn of events is going to be? Did Irulan have a hand in this? Oh, I bet. Well, if you don't have Cheney, then you might as well have Irulan's child. Yeah. Well, the princess was generally stunned. But what convinced Jessica of Irulan's innocence was the brief expression of surprised pleasure that escaped her before her Bene Gesserit training Just could seal it. <laughs> but Just I love like, that. The honesty, though. The That's honesty. That it. Like, like, oh, I do oh. want you dead. <laughs> But you're not. <laughs> it was like, is it my birthday? <laughs> like, I didn't even ask for this. Laughs a little. <laughs> I love that. That's, what, that's, what, that's how you know. So she, then who wanted her dead? We don't know. I don't think it matters, really. Just, it matters to me. Okay, Mike, you want to take stock of everybody in the Imperium that has something to You know, they're knives out for these people, left and right. Uh, but, uh, okay. Just I, interesting that it wasn't Irulan. I'm just I think that, one of the other five were. <laughs> yeah, we, maybe. Just, okay, well, the fact that, like, we knew why people were trying to, like, challenge Muad'Dib in yeah. C.H. Tavera, but... Like, why Cheney in the Imperium? Like, someone from the Landsrad? Just like, hey, get rid of her? I don't understand why. I, I think you would have to assume it's an Irulan sympathizer or someone Carino-oriented, too. You think of uh, when Sissia is still operating, she would have reason to But wa- she doesn't like Irulan. She probably... She, but hold on. This isn't about Irulan. This is about the family. This is about the, oh. putting a Carino... If a Carino is on the throne... Her children have a she, claim to that throne, and right? from our from our little uh, B two D, she does seem pretty bloodthirsty. That's why I want to hold her up as like the best example. Like we will meet her later on in the series. Like it's someone we're gonna come back to, but like you know, obviously Josepha is not gonna be like trying to kill anybody, <laughs> chastity or whatever. Like no, um, but yeah. So I would just say a Karina would have interest in it. Some people in the guild might. I bet guys, Helm. Any number of Sadokar. We do, again, still want a Carino in charge. Like, yeah, they're mm. new, uh, myriad factions, if you will. Now, Ashram. Who is it? Ashram. Oh, uh, Otto? Yeah. Yeah, Arisham. Uh, oh, is it Arisham? I think so. I mean, I think pronunciation I know, I think, never I think you're right. Suit, so. I'm literally going just off of, like, memory. Like, I'm what glad was you it both, again? Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, well, I didn't get to read his name. I just went by whatever you said, so it's all phonetic for definitely, me. Definitely, definitely. Oh, man, I love our little secret solo car doing this cult <laughs> on that planet. Now, this gives on. Although this was none of Irulan's doing, she was uh, enough angered by her secondary placement that she was delighted the attempt had been made. So, yeah, kind of. Yeah, we're yeah. Right, we know we're seeing through this one. I see you, Irulan. Oh, 
Mike, now we, we just kind of paused to refill our glasses a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. And in doing so, I just happened to read the sign and be like, oh, there was actually a huge uh, spoiler in here that I would have missed where <gasps> it kind of revealed where Cheney's story ends. Oh. I can skip it, though. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, but it basically, it alludes to a number of dates into how long after Moadid's reign is established. But it illuminates that three-year period. So it's saying his reign wasn't established until 10196. So we got the date wrong a little bit then, didn't we? Uh, no, no, because no, it didn't no. say 15 years we, afterwards. So. We were yeah, only yeah, talking okay. about time passed between the two books. But this is just saying, like, so, like, Imperial Paul doesn't start until 96. And I just, that's, like, like a oh. really niche point that might only ever be emphasized oh, okay. in, in the, the encyclopedia. Interesting. I'm just really fascinated by it. So then that means the jihad didn't really start... Nope, no, again, like, I, I think you can jihad before your emperor. I'm pretty sure that oh, was... probably. They're not waiting for anyone. That's not nothing, yeah. Maybe that really, like, uh, sealed the deal. It's like, can they stop? Yeah. <laughs> can we... We'll sign this. Can they just stop? <laughs> It'd be really nice. Um, but so she um, served as his wife, his companion, and his advisor, but never, in spite of their efforts, as mother of his royal heirs. Because... Obviously, where we're at now, right. still no heirs. Oh, but hey, I just want to say something. Yeah, called her wife. Okay, yeah, his, yep. history, history didn't call her wives. <laughs> um, that neither of them was sterile was certain. Cheney's pregnancy with Lado had been uh, initiated quickly and free of complications that might have rendered her barren. And while they had practiced contraception in the Fremen way during the years when Cheney's full attention was required for the negotiations, they had done none so since. And their continued childlessness was a source of mystery and much pain. And Mike, that is where I'll have to leave Cheney's story for now. Uh, oh, there, yeah, there's, there's going to be more, of course. Because I brought is. you to the break. Yeah, come on. She, she's so in wait, chapter two, Mike. She'll be everywhere. I'm wondering why they haven't been able to conceive then. Is it? Is it something on Paul's part secretly? He's got a Ooh, little Benny Jenner's He's always an exception. Oh, you think he's intentionally holding out? Maybe. I don't know. He but does I don't know why he would. Prophecy. Oh. We keep having these illusions of like. Oh, shoot. I wonder. This is going to be uh, one of your kind of plot points to follow. Like, that is part of the mystery of this okay. book. It's like, what's it, going on? It just does seem weird. It's like, man, he was just, like, shooting, like, batting 300 earlier. <laughs> like, this where, where do you want to go with this? Like, walk it back, walk it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leto came about so quickly and without thought. Uh, and then we haven't seen a child since. Uh, we know certainly there would be a period of, like, maybe apprehension of having another child after Leto. I mean, absolutely. But, but it's not, at mean, this point, yeah, yeah. We know oh. they both want it so badly. Right. What is happening here? Uh, we know, but Irulan is the one that's up to this. Right, right, we, right. You know, we've had her tell us that other thing. It's a matter of, like, is that going to put them further on Irulan's tracks now? Much to consider. Much to consider. But why don't we leave my little deep dive behind, Mike, and uh, we got to go go knock on Otham's door. Oh, no, not Otham. Not today. Oh, maybe a, a little tank. Ding, 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 ding. Because it's time for Edric's etymology on automatology. Oh, I tried. I tried so hard to get him <laughs> cut out of it. I'm like, maybe we could do Otham again. I'm like, God damn it, Edric. Each week, I pick a name from the Dooniverse to dive into its meaning and origins. 
Derek, I'm going to give you the meaning of the name and see if you can guess who it is. I'm just slamming my head against the wall <laughs> as he talks. Like the, the like glass of his tank as he's going. <laughs> what is our magical name? For, or, or, I guess you got to tell the me. The meaning, yeah. The meaning. Oh, All right. This is like almost like Jeopardy. It is Dark Warrior and Gem of the Mountains. Oh, that, damn. Yeah. Okay, Dark Warrior and Gem of the Mountains. Yeah. Who do I have in this chapter? We're in uh, Paul. Ooh, ooh, Irulan? I don't know. I, that, the lawn, I don't know about that. The Iru is like what's kind of getting me there, like mm-hmm. iridescent of like, mm, I kind of see like maybe a gem pulling out of that. Uh, we had Cheney, Paul. I'm not thinking anyone else really popped Are in Are any this of chapter. them Dark Warriors? Dark Warrior. I mean, I, I'm going to uh, Then I want to go Chaney again. Ah! You do love Chaney. You have a soft spot <laughs> for like Lock me into a Chaney then. All right. Uh, but I, I am torn with the Irulan. Let's go to uh, part one. Dark-haired goat of a man. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Duncan, Idaho. Which part? Both. So Duncan, Dark Warrior, and Idaho, Gem of the Mountains. Oh, oh. Okay, touche. We'll, yeah, we'll talk about that. That's, yeah, it's tricky. Because that's going to be like two very different sources, right? They are, them. yeah. Duncan is Irish-Scottish. It's a masculine given name of Scottish origin, anglicized form of Irish and Scottish Gaelic, Donchad. Or, sorry, not Chad. Uh, I can do pronunciations. Donica. 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 I like it. One opinion is that the Gaelic Donica is composed of the elements Don, meaning dark or dark-haired man, or chieftain, and Ka, meaning battle, together meaning dark-haired or dark warrior. Cool. Very cool. And in modern Irish, Don also means the color brown. Like it. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. Second part, the House of Don. In Irish mythology, Don, the Dark One from Proto-Celtic, is believed to have been a god of the dead. Don is said to dwell in Tecduin, the House of Don, or House of the Dark One, where the souls of the dead gather. Folklore about Don survived into the modern era in parts of Ireland, in which he is said to be a phantom horseman riding a white horse. When you're saying this, is this Don, like D-A-W-N or D-O-N? D-O-N-N. Okay, you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Very cool. Uh, the 10th century tale... Fingin's Vigil says that Tectuin is where the souls of the dead gather in their translation of Colloquy of the Ancients uh, by Anne Dooley and Harry Rowe. They comment that to go to the House of Dawn in Irish tradition means to die. Would you say the place was called Tectuin or something? Uh, it's uh, Tectuin. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure in um, there was a great fantasy series that came up on uh, Amazon. It was like Carnival. Uh, Carnival Row? Yeah, Carnival Row. And uh, the Fey world of, like, Ireland is the name for the place oh. where, like, they came from. I think it's that name. Oh, maybe. Uh, I just remember briefly That'd being be... like, oh, that was really interesting. Yeah. Why'd they choose that? That would be, like, so it's, like, the equivalent of, like, the underworld in a way. Yeah. Like, the house of the, the Dark Lord. That I love that part of it. That yeah. sounds very much just like a comic series. It's which yeah, is yeah, really, the house of the Dark really Lord. should be. Souls. Um, so that's what I got for uh, Duncan. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I was really, I learned some new things. Now, part three, the Idaho Sham. I I really want to know more about Idaho than Duncan, (laughs) I'm telling you. The name Idaho can be traced back to a man named George Willing. The Philadelphia-born doctor had fraudulently won an election as a delegate from the territory that later became Colorado. 
but the results were never certified, and he never officially took office. I, I'm loving this. Sounds already. very American Wait, to me. This is a con man? Yeah, kind of. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> Nevertheless, William planted a seed that his territory should be named Idaho, an idea that found its way to the U.S. Senate in 1860, because William said that the name was derived from the Shoshone term, meaning the sun comes from the mountains or the gem of the mountains. Wait a second. Are you going to get to what Idaho actually means? Oh, Is this like where it was a mistranslation? From uh, another tribe? Mi- mi- yeah. I think, I think I do know this story, ultimately. Okay, carry on. Uh, but shortly before the name was to be ratified, lawmakers discovered it was a fraud. Idaho doesn't mean that at all. That's not Shoshone. What? <laughs> so at the la- very last minute, Idaho was pulled from that bill and became Colorado Territory instead. And yet, the name Idaho persisted. By the time this decision was made, the town of Idaho Springs, Colorado, had already been named after William's proposal. <laughs> the same year, Congress created Colorado Territory. A county called Idaho County was created in Eastern Washington Territory. The county was named after a steamship named Idaho, which was launched on the Columbia River in 1860. It is unclear whether the steamship was named before or after William's claim was revealed. Regardless, part of Washington Territory, including Idaho County, was used to create Idaho Territory in 1863, and the Idaho Territory broke off from the Washington Territory just a few years later with elected officials who embraced the name, forgetting the word wasn't even a Native American term in the first place, or that had any meaning at all. Welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the state we all live in now, right? Mm -hmm. I hope. I'm not alone. Uh, but like you said, like possibly mistranslation, there is one possibility because it's like almost an alternate etymology that some people might attribute to it. And that um, on the Plains Apache, the word Idaho, I probably mispronouncing that one. I don't really have a guide for that one. That translates to enemy that is uh, currently used in reference to the Comanche. Oh, okay. So there's a possibility that he heard that. It was just like, oh, this means something, or it sounds nice. So it means this probably. Instead, it just means like enemy of ours, That's which is it, kind of it, funny, actually, in the long That we now have it. a state in all this. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was looking up what I was remembering was the uh, origin of the name for Des Moines, of a, a specific city name. So different story, but similar oh, parallels gotcha. of... Us not understanding what <laughs> Just other like people are saying. missing the mark. And that is what I've got for Edric's etymology on automatology. Ah, oh, wow. Hey, that was a good Duncan and Idaho. Yeah. Y- you're getting me on format, I think, more than anything else. <laughs> that was good. I didn't know that was an option. Now yeah. I'm ready for it. I will expand my horizons. Well, I always just go. called Jessica Lady Jessica. I was just like, oh, I don't want to call her Harkonnen. And I didn't feel like looking up Harkonnens. I can save that for someone else, I'm sure. 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 I always can. Mm-hmm. I think there might mm-hmm. be one or two people that come to mind. Oh. But uh, with that, Mike, you got you want to see if we got a little somebody at the window there? Oh, oh, hang on a second. Open it right on oh. up. Oh, all right. Ah, oh, little Bruno comes in, little Papa Bruno. Ah, yeah, all right. Let's see what we got. You, hey, you know, it's a big bag. Can hold a lot of distress. Yeah, <laughs> carry them. All right, what do we got? Oh, oh, Mike, this is a very cool one. Mm. Oh, oh, with a title. An ambassador of Dune has sent us a message. Ooh. It's coming from Germany from Robert Corvus. Hey, Robert. Yeah, it's been so long. But he chimed in, and I am so glad because uh, he heard we mentioned, you know, we've played uh, Dune Adventures in the Imperium, 
mm-hmm. one of the two Doom board games we got. It's a really cool board game you guys should check out. It's like a resource placement worker management game. Yeah. Uh, with the little deck building as you go. Oh my god! And the art is all based off the new film, and Piter yeah. looks. Piter looks really. I like it compared He's to the crisp. other artwork games. No, um, I like I like all Piters and all of their renditions. <laughs> okay, <laughs> even with the eyebrows. But so uh, with Dune Adventures in the Imperium, Robert is doing the German translation of that, and he says, uh, "So currently, I am surfing Arrakis Dunes in a special way, looking up phrases." In the English language ebooks and checking how terms like face dancer, Ooh. very re- relevant to where we're at, or maker hook have exactly been translated in the latest versions of the novels we have over here. That is really cool, Robert. That is super cool. That, that's got to be like a fun project to go through to see various ways they have been interpreted. And I guess uh, you should let, if you find any interesting ones or things that like pique your interest, send it into us of like cool translation oh, sure. of, of specific words and how that changes the meaning of them a little bit or something. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, that he's doing the, the rule book and stuff for that is so good. I really enjoyed uh, Dune Imperium. And I'm still waiting for the mini should be coming for our, we had the special order of that. Oh, that's right. Uh, it should be coming sometime in the summer. Congratulations, Robert. That's just fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, that puts you right in the like hierarchy of you are part of Dune now. Yeah. You have a little controversy. Man, I'm jealous. I hope you get your name stamped in there. Uh, and I got I got one more thing in here, Mike. Hmm. Ooh, okay. This one's from Twitter. I had Steven at Tilly Pants. <laughs> <laughs> When he just sent us in, this is an Ivor Gurney update, which I'm like, I realize, hey, we have like strange little branches of this podcast. One of which (laughs) is just the poet Ivor Gurney (laughs) is a friend of the pod, a (laughs) staple of the pod. Uh, And there is this, um, what is this, like an analysis of his works basically that he did while he was in an asylum have now been kind of uncovered. And they're looking at them being like, this man is a genius. Oh. So they're just previously been discarded and while uh, he's been in the asylum, they're yeah. like, Oh, he shouldn't be here, or like he should be here, but he's also a genius. Also but also <laughs> a ge- you know, I think you have to be a little Not bit. Not mutually crazy. exclusive. Exactly. I, I think they are mutually inclusive. <laughs> I, I don't think <laughs> you, you would. I don't think you have a genius who isn't a little crazy and off the kilt <laughs> there. That's fair. That's that, fair. It it's part you know, part of the territory. Uh let me oh Oh, Bruno says you got the key to the other ones here. Hi, uh, Bruno. <laughs> See, I got to make friends with this awesome. bat early. <laughs> I learned. I'm pretty sure that happened with the last bat, too, Mike. <laughs> well, don't worry about it. Give me your buddy. Take a look at him. <laughs> All right, so. Perfect. I've got a message here from Shivangi, and she's over in India and says, Ooh, uh, going through a very tough time here understandable mm-hmm. everywhere we watch the news we see what's going on they uh they've had a lot of tough hits in their life and they've been rereading dune and uh found our podcast absolutely love it your deep dives the highlight Aww. my glossary game putting smiles on faces so far currently they're at chapter 18 oh man <gasps> they got some work to do they're not done with book one yet well, I mean, she probably just found it. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, also, our episodes are like three hours And that, I'm just saying, no, but Mike, that just means she's got the Gurney game to look forward that's to. That's right. She doesn't just know. The horizons that will open. <laughs> so by the time she gets here, she's going to be very happy that she's got a little shout out on the pod. Oh, we should probably let her know a little early. It's going to be like another year. <laughs> by, by the way, when you I catch have up, kids it's now. Gonna be and... so, oh, no. It's going to be great. 
Um, and the fact that, you know, we brighten her day, make her laugh, help her through a tough time, and she can't wait to catch up to season two as quickly as possible. Ah. And I just want to say, this is not the first comment we've had like this. We've had a lot of comments coming in from, like, things are rough. Mm. It's super glad that I can, like, rely on this week to week to sort of listen to and just take me away to a, a universe far, and, far away. And hell, yeah, and I think it, that'll be the thing we always promise to do is we will keep a firewall up and keep the real <laughs> world out. And for a few hours, we can all hide inside the Dune universe and just <laughs> enjoy this space together. A firewall, if you will. Yeah, exactly. You know, we keep the bad information from getting in. <laughs> so thank you, Shivage. We really appreciate that. Yeah, it was a really heartwarming so message. It was very moving. Uh, and that's what I got today. That is awesome. Well, Bruno, thank you for flying those in, my yeah, man. Yeah, thank you. We got Wait, it. Yeah. Is he gone? He's God, a, that bat's so intimidating. He, he's really like a little, oh my a little God. more of like a, a different energy than uh, Giovanni had. Like, <laughs> yeah. Giovanni was pretty yeah. lackadaisical. <laughs> Go, like, I don't want to misspeak in front of that bat. <laughs> I think it was a little bigger than last time, too. I'm not even That might be a bird, Mike. <laughs> so I think that's going to do it for this week. Do you guys maybe have a question for us? Does anyone know a wine we can afford? Uh, we are always at Spice World Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we're at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And, of course, there is our website at SpiceWorldPod.com. And if you're looking for a way to support the show, go over and join our CH at, uh, over at Patreon.com. So that's like SpiceWorldPod, where we have some of our favorite deep dives stored in our Between Two Dunes. Oh, yeah. We got Ampheliros. Ampheliros. Guild OG. Highliners. Oh, I love the Guild Highliners, the original shape that they aren't in the yeah. movie. A trip to Gamat. A trip to Gamat. Songs, voices. <laughs> what more is there, right? You're in the world I don't like the songs. <laughs> Never do. It comes back to my mind every now and then. It'll... And the Arrakis Royal <laughs> Navy. So good. <laughs> Derek. Yes. I was promised Farouk in the next episode. Oh, 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 that's going to be rough. Let's see Wait, if I can, I can pull some Farouk out for you. I don't know if I got Farouk on my quote, Mike. They entered the courtyard. Farouk struggled with an intense yeah. dislike for his visitor. Sightail realized. Just a Sightail. Oh, Sightail and Farouk. Fremen distrusted eyes that were not the total blue of the Abad. Offworlders, Fremen said, had unfocused eyes, which saw things they were not supposed to see. The Samuta music had stopped at their entrance. It was now replaced by the strum of a balisset. First, a nine-scale chord... Then the clear notes of a song which was popular on the Naraj worlds. Is Gurney there with Farouk? It's Gurney there. Gurney and Sightail and Farouk? This is going to be a great chapter. <laughs> that really would be the best chapter. <laughs> oh my god. We just need to find out. But I thought he went back to Caladan. Was, uh, or no, did he? No, did Jessica went to Caladan? Jessica got Caladan after Gurney was giving Gr Caladan. Oh yeah, that was awkward. <laughs> we never, I mean, again, that chapter just ended. We yeah, have that was, no uh, fucking. We have nowhere, no idea. I think Gurney's still where here. Where in the world is Gurney Halleck going? <laughs> I don't know, Mike. That's so I don't exciting. know. We're gonna have to come back next week, and I think until then, the, the spice, spice must flow. <laughs>
<laughs> we had caught him for yet. <laughs> <laughs>